The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses abusive relationships, ableism, and natural disasters. Listener's discretion is advised. And remember, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. where we read and rank romance novels on steaminess, dreaminess, and memeiness. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today, we are joined by a very special guest, Claudia. Can you do the honors? Uh, Today, we are joined by my boyfriend, Forrest. Say hi, baby. Hello. Very excited to have you on the show. I'm very excited to be here with you. Absolutely steamy and dreamy ladies. (laughs) Long-time listener, first-time caller. And all the conventions, have all the merch. This episode is super exciting. One, because you are here. Two, because we are revisiting uh, our Fire and Rescue Shifters Wildfire Crew uh, series uh, with the second installment. And I love that you are here because, of course, you are the one who introduced us to this fantastic series. I'm so happy I could do this for you. Truly a blessing. This is Wildfire Unicorn that we are discussing today. It's been a while since we read the first one. The first one we read uh, before we knew we got accepted to Moonshot. Was that the last one we recorded before? No, I feel like we recorded one more after, um, after that one. Mountain Retreat Murder we recorded before we got accepted. And then Roses and Rain was the first one after. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's a good thing we didn't send over the Mountain Retreat Murder episode when being considered because what a time that book was. But anyway, you know what? <laughs> wasn't a, I mean, this was a time, but like a different kind of time. This was a good time. Well, <laughs> so I was re listening to Wildfire Griffin today. Um, yeah. A hilarious fucking episode, by the way. Hi- highly recommend. If you're listening to this one, you should, I mean, also be listening to that one. But, um, you guys really like that one. I really like that one too. What do you think? How does this one compare? I like this one. I I like this one too. I liked more parts of this than the first one, to be honest. Yes. I I liked that the first one, I mean, this wasn't as horny as the first one, which, you know, kind of, eh, oh well. Uh, but I found it far dreamier than the first one. And all I can think about was just, or when I, when I started reading this, I just thought about how in Wildfire Griffin, I thought that they would have to uh, mate while Rory was in Griffin form. And I was like, yo, is she going to fuck the Pegasus horn? But like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I found this book less steamy, but I really liked how dreamy it was. Because he, I mean, we got some pining from Rory in the last book, but like we really got it from Weiston in this one. I love that. Mmm, delicious. Yeah, I, I thought their whole relationship was really, like, complicated, and I liked that. This was... I I thought that, like, if this were to happen to me, if someone were to be like, hey, I am a shape-shifting thing, 
of the mythical variety and also you are my mate. I feel like this is how I would react. So in that sense, I was like, this is more realistic to me. I mean, the way she reacts is just like, okay, anyway, (laughs) were you a horse girl, Nicole? And she's just like, I can't, I can't do this. I was (laughs) not a horse girl. I've, I've ridden a horse only once in my life. I was seven or eight years old and it was at a fall festival. So the anniversary is coming up. The 20th anniversary is coming up. Um, And we were riding around in a circle and the horse like (laughs) got spooked by something and like shook and like almost like bucked me off. And since then I have not even been near a horse. Oh no, I am the opposite of a horse girl. I'm a glue girl. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) But unicorns are technically different than horses. And like, you know, the last unicorn... If you're asking me if I would fuck a unicorn, the answer is no. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's definitely one on the Amazon page. Oh. Okay. Do you want me to read it, or do you want you to read it? You're the one who usually reads it. You go ahead and read it. Okay. There's a shirtless firefighter at her door, and he's holding a baby unicorn. Animal rescue officer Candace thought she'd seen it all. That was before the unicorn, or rather, unicorns. When a smoking hot firefighter turns up at her emergency center, the baby unicorn in his arms turns out to be the least unusual thing about him, and he wants Candace for more than her fully equipped rescue trailer. Unicorn shifter Weiston thought meeting his one true mate would solve all of his problems. Now he's got an adorable and unruly mystery on his hands, the mother of all wildfires breathing down his neck and dark forces closing in on all sides. How is he supposed to romance this blunt, prickly, astonishing woman in all this? especially when Candace guards her heart as fiercely as she protects the animals under her care. But when unicorns are real, dreams can come true. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. And so can nightmares. That's a lot. It's a lot. Can I just say that Weissen's a stupid name? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Weissen's such a wow. stupid name. I'm so sorry. I didn't care. That's really Christ insulting did. to W.H. Auden, a British-American poet. Yeah, fuck that guy. Oh. And Weiston from Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. He's a boss character. Oh. Uh, he's also in Might and Magic. That's it, though. <laughs> I would have preferred, like, Wyatt, even. I feel <laughs> Weiston's just a lot. Or give us Winston. I'll take Winston. <laughs> yeah, Winston would, like, like fit, the, fit the English thing better. Okay, anyway. Yeah, he could be a Winston. In the first episode, you, we talked. You guys talked about this series. You mentioned that he suffers from being British, and he certainly does suffer from being being British in this. <laughs> he does <laughs> book as well. He he suffers from a lot of things. <laughs> Why he suffers? <laughs> he really does. We because we started with the first, but we have the Chad Rory versus the Virgin <laughs> Weston. <laughs> Actually, though, <laughs> I, I think that. So you guys said how you felt about the book. I I liked it overall. I do like them as a couple. I got so angry at the last like quarter of the book and the way that they the like not very good plot decisions that were made and not very good like character communication decisions that were made. It just felt so contrived. And I got so angry and all of my notes are in all caps, so I can't wait to like get to that part of the the thing. But before that and <laughs> in general, I really love their dynamic. Um I won't I won't get too into that until we get there, I guess. I don't know. Y'all have to lead me. Yeah. I will say, with, speaking of bad plot decisions, I wanna I wanna tease this out first, like early here. This is for a future book. Apparently, 
Wildfire Pegasus was so poorly received when it came out that like a year later, Zoe Chand went and put out a second edition that changed like eight chapters. Really? I'm yeah. so curious. Can we read both editions? <laughs> yes, we Ellie. definitely should. Can you find the original one? Or one of us can read one. You might be able to, only able to find it in print. Do they print these Whoa. books? <laughs> they yeah. do. I have a physical <laughs> copy of Wildfire Griffin, but I have a digital copy of this one. Okay, news to me. I <laughs> You can buy a box set. So my history with these books is my spouse w- got really into them. I don't remember how at all. This is not their typical fare. They're like more of a complicated sci-fi reader. And they were like, you got to read this, uh, this like, you know, shifter romance. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so I read Wildfire Griffin and I really liked it. And I, I then went on to read the rest of the prequel series. I believe I read the firefighter there about their parents and in my head, I thought that I had read the Wildfire series, but I think maybe it was a few years ago and maybe they weren't all out yet. So in my, like, as I was, I have, so at this point I have read these ones as well. I've read Wildfire, Griffin, Wildfire, Unicorn, Wildfire, Sea Dragon, Wildfire, Pegasus, and Wildfire, Hellhound, except for the last one I have not read. And I was really confused as I was doing my read of them because I was like, when I read these a few years ago, I don't remember any of this stuff happening. And it's because I was reading the Firefire series, the original prequel series about uh, their parents. I remember you said you didn't really like those. No, I don't. I think these are better. I like these characters better. And I think they kind of, the Zoe's as the Facebook group I was briefly in, that was a fan club for these books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> all the moms in that group refer to them as the Zoe's. The moms are into this? This is only moms are into this. <laughs> <laughs> because, what? Well, yeah, I think what Claudia was about to say is they, they were originally, or they're written by a group, a ghostwriting group of, of people. And you can really tell, like, you're all, the next book is so much hornier than this one. And it was clearly written by a different person. So anyway. Yeah, this one was very piney, which, oh, I, I love that. That's like the good shit, though. Yeah. Okay, so feels good. Let's get into into it. Chapter one, we pick up right where we ended in Wildfire Griffin. So we have the whole team out, uh, and there's just this little baby unicorn. I really enjoyed this like first paragraph of the book, which is Weiston Silver, and yes, his last name is Silver. Weiston Silver (laughs) knew exactly how many unicorns there were in the world. Two. Well, technically three, if he included himself. His grandfather and father had been happily mated for decades. He was absolutely certain that neither of them could be hiding a shameful secret. And as for himself, it was physically impossible for him to have left a surprise baby behind anywhere, let alone in the middle of the North Californian wilderness, a place where he'd never been before, which left him completely unable to explain the tiny unicorn hiding in the bushes. It's a good hook. Good hook, right off the bat. I have so a, do we want I to have... quickly retrace where we are here? You, what were you about to say? No, you do that first. I'll come back to it. Are you sure you're going to remember? Yes, because it's a highlight. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know there are multiple episodes where I've said, I'll talk about this later, and then I didn't. ADHD mood. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, in Wildfire Griffin, Edith is unbelievably stupid. Uh, the mating scene, <laughs> she's like, oh man, I'm so glad that Weissen had to go take care of Callum. That's the thing I was going to talk about three months ago. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) 
where she didn't understand that there was a, like an like a underspoken thing happening there. An understanding. But neither yeah. did Callum, to be fair, anyway. at first. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> last time uh, we met Edith, Rory's true mate. Uh, they made it. She's part of the team now. And they went out to take care of this wildfire in California. And while there, they found this baby unicorn in this, like, thicket of trees? Like, bushes or something. Yeah, it's a thicket. Uncle- yeah, it's unclear to me how... Yeah, in a, a, thicket, bam- yeah, a Bambi-like thicket. thicket. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny to me that all of the the people on the team are immediately, like, kind of side-eyeing Weston, like... What's your secret, Bowie? Now you have the secret baby here. And he's like, y'all know I literally ain't never fucked, so. <laughs> the virgin Weiston. I gotta say, like, I mean, we might as well talk about it now since he's brought it up now. I think that it's, we've read several virginity books here on this podcast. We have. <laughs> yeah, it's, we've read at least two, I think three. And typically... Our heroine is is the virgin, and mm-hmm. you know our our hero is like the the alpha, like conquering her that sort of thing. Um, I think it's an interesting twist that not only is our like supernatural creature the virgin here, much like in Monsters of River's Edge, but also he's he's our our hero. He's our male lead. Mm-hmm. I think that you do not see that. No, that's really. True. I feel like not a lot of people consider that sexy. Is that true? Yeah, I think like even if it's like not the whole alpha thing, it's like having somebody who knows what to do. Yeah. Like that's sexy. Like knowing somebody's experienced enough that they will successfully please you. Yeah. And I think it's very sexy that we have uh, the heroine of this book uh, just absolutely loves to fuck and wants to only fuck and is very clear that she's a woman who wants a one night stand and nothing else and that's definitely turning some stuff on its head too i find her very hot by the way <laughs> oh my god mm-hmm. absolutely as you can tell from me dating claudia i'm into a strong woman who <laughs> speaks <laughs> clearly what she wants you're, you're into girl bosses <laughs> it's true this, this in this book we have a girl boss and a male wife right that's the dynamic yeah, yeah that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> i am but a humble simp and so is weiston Oh, he's such a simp. That was one of my notes. Like, he is dictionary definition of simp. uh, Urban dictionary definition of simp. I don't think that's quite made it to (laughs) Merriam-Webster. But he does have his moments. He does. And here's the thing. I freaking love Weiston. But I love to tease him as much as I love Mm -hmm. to just love him. (laughs) Yeah. He's such an easy target. I mean, I think that's that's how Candace feels, too. (laughs) Yeah. See, Candace... I feel you, girl. Yeah. But what was what was your highlight? So I, I have my first dreamy highlight almost immediately in this book on page three, yes. which is when he says he's comforting the baby unicorn. <laughs> and I am nothing if not a baby unicorn, okay? And so he says, <laughs> it says, nonetheless, he sent back telepathic warmth and reassurance. He's communicating telepathically. That's right, little one. You're safe now. I'll protect you. The baby gazed up at him with trusting lavender eyes. And I was like, oh, we love a man who can take care of kids. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say that a lot of the dreaminess did come from, like, him and Candace being so protective of, spoiler alert, the uni- baby unicorn's name is Flash. 
So I just, I, I love that whole like dynamic where it was like, we have two people who don't know each other, but now have the shared responsibility of a child. Uh-huh. Just like the hit Judd Apatow movie, Knocked Up, starring <laughs> Seth Rogen and Nicole Kidman. Is that who's in Knocked Up? That does not seem right. 2007? Catherine Heigl. <laughs> of course. All right. So they rescue this baby unicorn and... Yes. Then we meet Candace. Uh, POV shift, we meet Candace. Candace. I gotta be that bitch who brings up a continuity error here. Oh? Because uh, Rory says, it's clearly st- scared. I don't want to force it with the alpha voice unless we really have to. And it's like, um, fucking ding. You did in the end of the last book, Rory. You used your alpha voice to get it out of the, the bushes. And you held it in your hand and you were like, why send this for well, you? Maybe he meant again. He was holding it. Yeah. <laughs> like Also, it's worth noting before we get any further, is that the the little baby unicorn was uh hurt or like just like exhausted or something. And so Weiston as a unicorn should have healing abilities. Mm. Uh his father has healing abilities, so does his grandfather's, and we learn that later on that, that it's hereditary. Uh, but he's unable to heal the little baby unicorn. He says here, please, just once, just once, let me be able to heal nothing. That's the crux of Weiston's uh, therapy issues that he needs to to be seeing a therapist about is that he's got a <laughs> massive insecurity and like, I don't know, complex just around not being able to heal and he should be able to heal. And he's clearly worthless as a measly paramedic, <laughs> useless useless babe if a client came in and they were like i'm a unicorn shifter and typically (laughs) typically my people have an innate healing ability but i don't have this like how what how would you respond i would say tell me more about what that's like for you (laughs) yes i don't want to dismiss it right off the bat so i'd just be like tell me more (laughs) yeah also i have my my first mimi highlight in the first chapter here oh and it is. It revolves around Edith. Love Edith. Because uh, Weiston says that um, he doesn't think that this unicorn, this baby unicorn, is a shifter. He thinks that she is a genuine unicorn. Edith's eyes widened. She looked like a kid who had come downstairs on Christmas Day to discover that Santa had delivered a real live pony. There are actual unicorns. Rory looked more like the parent of a kid who had unexpectedly been given a pony. First, I've heard of it. I also had that highlighted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so good. They have good. a lot of cute couple moments, and I think I, it's fun to see them as background characters. I loved, the, yes. I loved them in this book. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's something I wanted to touch on, too, is just that, because, you know, I feel that we have, we have a pretty large cast here, yeah. and so it's so easy to just, like, not pay attention to anybody so it was really nice getting to see these characters that we got to know in the last book show up and still get little glimpses of them and see how they're doing, even though they're not the main characters of this book. You're like, those are my Blorbos, Rory and Edith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what that means now. <laughs> get them on the Blorbometer. <laughs> Blorbo from my Wildfire Griffin. <laughs> I, I also got to say that we get we get a new look at some other characters because like, Blaze didn't really talk much in... Should we recap who all these people are? Should we? Yeah, we might as well. 
And we don't have so, to listen oh, to the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, listen to the episode. But the quickest recap, uh, Rory is a griffin, Wyson is a unicorn, uh, Joe is a sea dragon, Callum is a pegasus, and uh, Blaze is a something, we don't know, and Fenrir is a hellhound. A hellhound who, so he is a shifter, but he can't or like really doesn't want to shift into a human, so he's just in permanent dog mode. Dog mode for life. You find out more in Wildfire Hellhound, which is pretty good. (laughs) Nice. I'm so excited for that one, not to like deviate too far from the main topic here, but yeah. he's like a dog and he speaks like a caveman. So I'm curious <laughs> as to like how that works out. Yeah. Imagine just being some lady at like an Aldi's and then this <laughs> like dog comes up to you and suddenly you're me and like can barely speak English anyway. <laughs> I had one other meme thing in the first chapter, which is when... <laughs> Somebody from that's also fighting the fire comes over to them, and Weissen has taken off his shirt to cover the baby unicorn to hide it from prying eyes. And this woman is just absolutely dumbstruck by his sexy, sexy torso. <laughs> Gah, the woman swallowed hard. God, I love me a torso. Over on the chest. I mean, the line. We need your help on the line. <laughs> so, so dumb, but like hilarious. These books are funny. These books are really funny. They are. This one, honestly, was just kind of a straight-up romantic comedy for a lot of it. It, it really was, and I, I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. I love me a good rom-com. Yeah. Just like Jude Apatow's hit movie, Knocked Up, 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Babe, it's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> the follow-up to um, the woman being overly flustered by Weissen's chest is him having the, the mental thought. Belatedly, Weissen realized he was standing in the middle of a forest fire with no shirt on. He had to be breaking at least a dozen health and safety regulations. <laughs> Which is a good line. And then right after that, Rory uses his alpha voice to like distract the woman and, and like make her go away, basically. And I just have the note, Rory can use his alpha voice on me. <laughs> <laughs> We do meet Candace next, as Nicole said earlier before we went on a huge tangent. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Candace is an animal rescue worker. She is uh, working to, like, uh, rescue and rehabilitate animals that have been, like, left behind in this wildfire, which is very sad. So sad. And an important thing to know about Candace right away is that Half her body is, like, covered in, like, burn scars. The entire right half of her body, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So when she and Weiston first meet, he is, he looks at her kind of awestruck. And we know it's because she is his mate and he is realizing that she is his mate. Uh, And she just thinks that he's appalled by the sight of her because of the scars on her face. Yeah. And she's like, ah, I'm used to it. Yeah, she says, let's get this over with. Deliberately, she turned her head so he could see, so he could get a good look at the full extent of her scars. It was a fire. It was a long time ago. Yes, I know plastic surgeons can do amazing things these days. No, I can't afford it. Yes, I know about crowdfunding. I haven't the slightest interest. I'd much rather people donate money to animal rescue charities. If that covers all of your questions, can we move on? (laughs) Yeah. And he's just staring at her still, like, all in a daze. And she's like, hello. Very sad. (laughs) And also, like, 
I don't know, impressive that she's got that speech ready to go. I mean, you know, you go, girl. Do whatever you need to do to get that shit out of the way. She's very forthright, and I love that about her. Yeah, that's that's a, mm-hmm. like, Oren's DID speech. I also have a note that uh, she said the man on her doorstep was the most beautiful person of any gender she'd ever seen. And I was like... Yes, Candace, you do a lesbian best friend, right? Yeah, she's the other queer, right? person who works with her. Bethany is is a lesbian. I'm pretty yes. sure canonically. So yep, she mentions it. Maybe anyway. That's my fan fiction I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> please, please do. We need fanfic of this. <laughs> yeah, there is none on Ao3. I'm so mad about. Wow, it. I think just, it's because only moms have so right fan fiction. That's what Twilight and. Fucking Fifty Shades. Moms totally read fan fiction. I know. I, I said that. In the- <laughs> the fucking- I, there are several moms in one of the servers I'm in. For fan yeah, fiction. I was like, that was a dumb statement I just made. That was incorrect. <laughs> I haven't updated my fix in like two months, but I think it's time for me to to write some wildfire yeah. unicorn fanfic. Anyway, so what I was going to say here is that, you know, immediately, this is kind of alluding to what's going to happen in later on in the book but uh, this, these are the thoughts i was having as i was reading where we know that weiston's innate ability as a unicorn is supposed to be that he is a healer and then she has these scars and immediately i was hoping that he wouldn't try to heal yeah. her scars that was like Word. a major concern of mine while reading this yeah. because she is i mean we do get into it more later on like from her perspective but she's clearly a very strong character and i was so worried about and like i i honestly was very optimistic but also it was still a concern of mine that he would be like oh like your scars let me fix you and it's like no please no it, it yeah. gives like a we're gonna cure autism vibe to it like yeah we're gonna fix this thing that's your disability or just a part of you yeah, exactly. Like, it's a part of her. And, you know, if she wanted yeah. some, because clearly she has considered options, or she is aware of options she has if she wanted to take that route, and she hasn't wanted to. So yeah. I was really nervous about him kind of not even, like, pushing that onto her, but being like, look, now you're cured and you're healed. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of my big gripe towards the end of the book. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Ugh. So I'm trying to think because I feel like I've like seen this elsewhere and I just can't quite put my finger on it. Mm. It's definitely a is trope. It, is it the hit film The Dark Knight 2008? Is it? The year after the hit film Knocked Up 2007. <laughs> 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 oh my god. This is how we find out that Knocked Up is Claudia's favorite film. <laughs> This is how we find wow. out that Seth Rogen's going to be on the next episode of Three Little Birds. <laughs> yeah, he's here for he's here for uh, our comic episode. <laughs> oh my god! So anyway, they meet and they have the same thing that happened with uh, with Rory and Edith, where they instantly, well, Wyson instantly knows. Okay, this is my one true mate, my, my one true fated mate, who I'm now soul married to, basically immediately. Um, until we fuck, and then it's like for real soulmate, <laughs> soul married. Um, and she's just like, I'm very horny for this man suddenly, so, and I love the way that she reacts to that. She's like, Hey, 
I don't know. I don't have it pulled up if anybody, if we're there at that point. Uh, what I do have highlighted for like first impressions, I guess, was looked like a Greek god, sounded like a Regency aristocrat, aristocrat, aristocrat. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a cat. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving that in. <laughs> uh, Regency aristocrat. Good with animals, and he was an elite wildland firefighter. Clearly, the man was an axe murderer in his spare time. No one was that perfect unless they were hiding something. <gasps> Which he is! Spoiler alert! Oh, we already know this. <laughs> also, I do have two highlights. One with the, uh, I would like to note about the um, man on her doorstep was the most beautiful person of any gender she'd ever seen. My note says, oh, she's queer, baby. (laughs) And then uh, they describe Weiston's hair as short, spiky hair uh, that is a startling platinum blonde, moonlight touch with the faintest hint of gold. Um, I choose to interpret that as as Weiston has frosted tips. Oh, no. I know that's not correct, but that's (laughs) that's how I choose to interpret it. He's living his inner boy bands. (laughs) We should also mention that the reason that he comes to see Candace in the first place is he's bringing her the baby unicorn. And he has the very awkward situation of, I have a literal unicorn here that I'm bringing to this like animal rescue uh, tent, essentially, at the wildfire camp. How do I explain this? And I thought her reaction to that was very funny because we find out that humans do not see a unicorn they see an albino deer a baby albino deer so he's expecting her to totally freak out and she's so nonchalant about it and it's so funny because he's so confused and she and again and she thinks he's being cutting toward her because he's like i don't know if you've ever seen this before blah blah blah, blah. and she's just like uh it's a weird deer dude like stop talking down to me and he's like oh He's mansplaining wildlife to her. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen a deer before, but I've uh, I've got a baby one here. Yeah, because he even tells her, he's like, you might want to sit down for this. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Don't be so condescending. (laughs) And also his inner unicorn responds to that with, our mate is not easily impressed. His unicorn informed him, we need to remove more clothing. Yeah, and he like starts reaching down for his pants, and she's like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> the the like plurality of the inner shifter like monologues that that come up in these books, like the di- the dialogues, really, because they like talk back and forth in their head, like with their shift, their like their beast, um, is very it's always very entertaining, and it's like one of my favorite things about these books is because his shifters just like they always have their own opinion on the situation. And the the human has to be like, okay, well. I feel like we didn't get this much like inner beast talk with uh with Rory. Yeah, I don't think so. What did you think, Claudia? What was your perception of that? Oh, it's very plural. I mean, what do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's very funny <laughs> and like it is. I, it's just really entertaining. Okay, so once they we're still in the second chapter, you guys. Oh, I do like the line here. Uh, when he starts like reaching for his pants or whatever, and she says, "I uh, I think there's some confusion here." Oh no, he says that. 
and she snorts. Well, either I'm unknowingly starring in a very bizarre porno, or you breathe in a whole lot of fumes out on the line. I know which option I'm picking. Just sit down there a minute, okay? Yeah. Yeah. She's very unimpressed. Love her. I like that. Oh, I have my first uh, steamy highlight here. Oh. So she's taking care of the, the baby unicorn, and he's staring at her being horny. And it's says, much as he tried to control himself, he couldn't tear his gaze away from her. He had never seen anything as perfect as the curve of her waist, or as graceful as the deft sway of her hips. He longed to press his lips to the tender nape of her neck, enticingly exposed by her short, boyish haircut. Whew! Whew! Damn! <laughs> I do like it. I like that. Yeah. He's so horny, the poor bastard. He's so horny. And he also finds it it hot that because he's like the haircut exposed her scars and he's like, it's hot that she's not even trying to hide them. She's just confident. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Yeah. And later on, uh, Joe says like, oh, they make her look like a badass, you know? So I love that, you know, people see her scars as like just something cool. And it's just, you know, it is a, a part of her that's, you know, it just shows how much how fucking strong she is, you know? Yeah. It sounds kind of hot. Not gonna lie. Let people be unconventionally attractive. Yes. Let's see. So, so they're talking about this little baby unicorn or albino deer fawn creature. And so we learn that her name is Flash because she's able to kind of, she's able to communicate with Weiston telepathically, but she doesn't really have, you know, command of a language. So she just sends him images or feelings and stuff. And so he gathers from her that her name is flash mm-hmm. and so flash here now is you know staying at the animal rescue tent and everything and they don't really quite know what to do with her because she's too big to fit anywhere i mean she's like a little baby deer which is far larger than the rat that candace was taking care of prior to weiston coming in or any of the cats that they were also taking care of so he says so weiston tells her you know that he'll make sure she has a forever home. And I highlighted this as dreamy where he, where he thinks here, he was determined to do everything in his power to reunite the baby with her family. But if that turned out not to be possible, he'd take care of her himself. That's really sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like he was so ready to just accept responsibility for the little baby. And then I really love it. I love that. And then right after that it says, I have a little Mimi. Oh, good. This hypothetical future conversation with Candace was getting better and better. Hello, I am a unicorn, your mate. And as of today, I'm also unexpectedly a single dad to a four-footed daughter. Marry me? It was probably a little bit much. Just a bit. Just a a little bit. But listen, Claudia, you've known me for a Mm -hmm. long time. You know I have a thing for hot dads. You do. So I'd be like... That's why we read Mountain Retreat Murder. I'm sorry. (laughs) You were saying hot dads. Hot dads. So I was, you know, I feel like I feel like I wouldn't hate this. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, especially because like it's a unicorn. Exactly. You gotta like send it to school. Yeah, I mean, I could. You definitely <laughs> could. That's that's quite the cartoon right there. So pretty quickly, <laughs> yeah, pretty quickly, Candace just outright says to him that she's like, "Sorry if I picked up on this wrong, but I'm asking you if you'd like to have sex with me." And that melts his little English brain. He can't handle that. And uh, he doesn't quite. And so then she takes that as him not being interested because his brain is just like stuttering. 
he's just in like loading screen mode. And, and I, love... I have this next part. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I wonder if it's the same part. You go ahead. I'll let you know if it's the same. The beginning of uh, the next chapter where she says, look, I say what I want and I mean exactly what I say. I've got no interest in relationships or any of that commitment cramp. Crap. <laughs> One night stands suit me just fine. I'm thirsty. You're a hot snack. And I would like to take you back to my tent and bang you like a drum. After that, we can happily go our separate ways. No strings, no catches. So what do you say? And I was like, that's steamy. That's fucking steamy. Yeah. I. It's good. I really liked it. I didn't care <laughs> for that part in particular, to be honest. Because listen, I've had my, my, my little times. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I just felt like this was kind of like, I don't want to say it was like pushy. It, it just felt excessive to me. That's fine. I'm. Where it's just like, if someone said that to me, said that to me, I'd be like, "You're trying way too hard." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like calling me a snack, telling me you'll, you'll bang me like a drum. I'm just a bottom, so it really worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, it would just be like, "Listen, like you're fine as fuck. Want to hook up?" And that'd be it. But like she, she, she says a lot here. But she, he kind of makes her say a lot because she, he's like too British and he's like frozen and he's not really articulating himself. And so she's like, "Okay, let me be more clear." And I'm like, "Yes." But I get what you're saying. That is true. So the part I had highlighted was actually before that, because and she reacted in such a way because of his dumbfounded expression. And I loved the first like paragraph of this chapter, which was, oh, balls. From the expression on Weiston's face, she had misread the situation. He couldn't have looked more stunned if she proposed a threesome <laughs> with the rat. Yeah, that's funny. There's a lot of good jokes in this first <laughs> bit, especially. Oh, absolutely. He tells her he does not do one night stands. And she's like, well, we, you know, we should all try <laughs> new things sometimes. And he's like, no. Yeah. Meanwhile, his inner unicorn is like, oh, please, let's fuck. Let's absolutely. We need, she wants it. She needs it. She's telling us very clearly what she wants. We need to uh, have sex with our mate. Uh, let's go. And he's like, ah. But I just, I just think that's a funny little dichotomy there. I have another Mimi here, which is, <laughs> you know, he has a lot of reservations and everything. Yeah. And he says, not like this. So need still beat between her thighs. But Candace had to admit that he had a point. The cramped space wasn't exactly ideal for the sort of acrobatics she had in mind. <laughs> not to mention the audience. The baby deer was watching them both with interest, sucking on her bottle with the air of someone munching through a bucket of popcorn. It's like when your cat... You like, you know, you start getting <laughs> horny with somebody and you like look up and your cat's just staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's just super horny. Yep. I feel like that's most of the next chapter is him just being horny. Yeah. And also like in love also. Well, the, you know, he's being loin horny and heart horny. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that Tumblr post that's like, what's the word for... For like when you're you're horny for something, but not in like a sexual way. Like I'm I'm so horny for these grapes right now. <laughs> and it's only so yeah. else. It's, like, it's just enjoying something. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. So are we talking about after they split up? Because they um basically he turns her down. Uh, or no, he doesn't turn her down. Sorry. They make a date for later that day, and he goes off on his own. Mm-hmm. He's basically going into it with the intention that he is going to try and turn it from a one night stand into something yeah. else. But he's not honest about her or about that with her. Yeah, but no, he's not. 
she's definitely keeping him very like at an arm's length already like that's her that's her whole thing that's her whole thing she needs to go to therapy about is that she's she ices people out really far (laughs) out um because she's been you know literally burned before so uh she has to keep him she 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 has to keep everyone only one night stands no relationships that's candace's whole deal yep yeah so he stays at the camp uh like the the base camp because he can't easily get back to where his crew was. Uh, Callum actually flew him and Flash out to uh, the animal rescue area. And uh, the rest of the day, he, he is just like awestruck that he has met his mate. This chapter starts with, my mate, I've met my mate. The thought echoed endlessly through his head all afternoon. And it's just like a bunch of paragraphs broken up with my mate. She's my mate. My mate. I've met my mate. Aww. And it's like, yeah, I've been there. Aww. <laughs> um... As the hours dragged on, Weissman seizing on any excuse to walk through the camp just in hopes of seeing her. A few times he was rewarded, catching sight of Candace striding from trailer to the tents enclosing the animal cages, conferring with a local ranger, briskly directing a pack of volunteers. He hoarded each stolen glimpse as greedily as a dragon gloating over gold. He is down horrendous. That's really cute. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Simp in USA. <laughs> So he meets back up with the team, and uh, the team's like, you know, what the hell happened? We've been trying to reach you for like half an hour inside your head, but uh, to no avail. <laughs> and Weissman's like, sorry, I've been really distracted. I met my mate. And everyone is like so excited. Except Buck. About that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's- <laughs> Except Buck, who's like, oh, god damn Except it, not Buck, another yes, one. because Buck is there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he... He does say something here that I have highlighted as Mimi. Seven billion people on this planet. Seven billion. And yet another of my best team happens to bump into his one true soulmate while he's supposed to have his mind on the job. Did normal statistics not apply to you people? Do you magically screw with probabilities just to annoy me? I love Buck. I love him. <laughs> yeah. He's got a lot of good one-liners. He also says hurting a squad is like uh, hurting cats on meth. <laughs> he loves them they they talk about like mating briefly and then (laughs) but buck says here for the love of fuzzy little (laughs) squirrel nuts let me rephrase always check in with me when you're on duty what any of you randy freaks do in your own time in base camp i actively do not want to know (laughs) (laughs) so good i also love we have a little moment here where where when they're talking about him, you know, Weissens found his mate and he's Buck's complaining about it. Um, Rory says, Edith worked out all right, Rory said, with the barest hint of a growl in his tone, because he's like, don't fuck with, with Edith. And Buck says, Edith is one in a million, Buck said matter-of-factly, which is really, really nice after the last book, because Edith was so concerned the entire time about yeah. Buck not liking her and not being good enough mob on. He's just like, Edith is one in a million. And I'm like, oh Yeah. Edith. Edith's cheeks went pink, her hands flurrying in embarrassed pleasure. So she's cute. so cute. Yeah, she's I forgot so cute. how cute she was. They mentioned her flapping Love a lot her. in this book. They do. They do. They do, yeah. At first I was like, okay, you're you're laying it on a little yeah. thick. But also, like, I think it's a testament to the fact that Edith is letting herself stim. Yeah. yeah. It's really sweet. Mm. Oh, so here at this point. Do, uh, do they touch on it in the last book about unicorns being sensitive to horny? Yeah. 
because mm. Weston's cranky. They did because of the meme. Or <laughs> Weston yes. is cranky at Edith uh, uh, when after her and Rory are 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 horn. I don't remember if they like. I think it was before they mated, but I don't. Maybe it was. No, it was after they mated. Okay, sorry, it was after they mated, and he's like. He's like kind of snaps at Edith, and Edith's like, "What did I do?" And he's like, oh, "I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just I get apparently we don't talk, we didn't talk about this in depth yet. Unicorns get like a headache slash physical pain when people around them are sexual, and <laughs> yeah, and actually, Weissen is getting it worse right now after he's met his yeah. mate. Yeah, and which so- he takes as a really good sign. Yeah, because it, it's just weird to him because he's like, oh, man, like, y'all need to be more considerate. Like, did you forget that I'm super sensitive to sexual energy after you fucked? And they're like, oh, Edith is straight up like, but Rory and I haven't had sex today. We haven't had sex for three days, actually. I did not need to know that, <laughs> Buck muttered. <laughs> and then Weissman's like, are you, that can't be right. Are you certain? I think I would know when I've had sex, Edith said indignantly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he interrogates everyone in this scene, yeah. trying to figure out who who's horny is like killing him right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then he he turns. Yeah. To- he also asks Joe. Oh yeah, he yeah. asks everyone. He turns to uh, to Blaze, and she says, "Hey, what is this? Some kind of unicorn purity test? Stay out of my sex life." That left only one. Do not, Buck said in tones of great finality. Even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Buck. Rules. He does. I really like him. <laughs> also, I, I wrote a note here during this whole scene. I was like, "Why would he be like having this now? All of a sudden, especially more sensitive." And he says, "Don't you see? His heart was pounding almost as much as his head. It's my unicorn. I'm suddenly more sensitive to sexual energy. A thousand times more sensitive." And I was. I just kind of felt like. I don't know. It felt like the call was coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. Like, are you sure this isn't your own horny energy that you've maybe never felt before? <laughs> it's true. So then he responds to this by calling his daddy. Yeah. Daddy. Um, also, Nicole, do you want to to summarize this bit? Oh, with the dad? Yeah, the dad. Yeah, so he calls his dad, and he's like, I need to ask you about sex. And so... Uh, he says it way more, like, awkwardly than that, because he's British. I mean, he says that, but, but then he's very embarrassed about it. I can't it. do accents. Yeah. He is, and especially because he was on speakerphone, uh, because <laughs> Weiston's dad, also being a firefighter, was on duty with his team, so, like, everyone else's fathers. So we get the sign. Like, we get the sign. Or not sign. <laughs> and then Fraser. We get the Fraser cheers. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're like we're like oh here's all your favorite Blorbos from those the last series. Yeah, uh, there are some very funny parts in here, and so Chase, who's Callum's dad, Callum being like very chill and you know reserved, quiet and everything, reserved. Yeah, and his his father Chase, which also what what a hell of a name Chase. Yeah, uh, is kind of like a little shit, and says you know so so Weston's dad says you know I can handle this I'll explain it. Chase says, but you'll do it so badly. You'll probably use words like secretions and gusset. Like, ew. <laughs> so, gross. so gross. Very gross. Oh, I could, I did not see 
coming that as as people who have re- not read the first series here, I was like, Chase is Callum's father? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Like, I thought this was going to be, like, Joe's dad or something. Nope. Like, but no, this goofball is Callum's father. Callum, the most serious man on earth. <laughs> yeah. It's the autism. Yeah. <laughs> you love to see it. Uh, Callum is a triplet, though, and has uh, two brothers who are a lot more like Chase. Yeah. Also, Chase says, um, you see why I said when a mommy unicorn and a daddy unicorn love each other very much. No, wait, let me correct that. When two unicorns are indeed more than two unicorns of any or all genders love each other very much. I'm like, oh, we stay in the queer poly rap. We love Thank to you. see it. <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. Do you think that there are poly faded mates? I mean, I have Ooh. some. <laughs> Yeah, true. Aww. <laughs> Yay. So basically, Hugh, uh, Weissman's dad doesn't really, he basically, oh no, he drops a bomb on him is what he does. Oh, yeah. So the only sexual energy that their unicorns can tolerate is pure, true love, freely given and freely accepted. So a one night stand is totally out of the question because if he has he engages in sex with Candace when she's not in love with him. He could lose his, or he will lose his unicorn. Okay, uh-huh. I have so many questions yeah. about this. Yes, right. What counts? This hand stuff like, counts. is this a golden loophole kind of thing? Like, yeah, does butt stuff count? <laughs> does does like? Like, do you all know the hit show Misfits, uh, British, like, teen superheroes? There's this one couple where one of them, her power is, like, if she touches somebody, she makes them, like, insatiably horny for her. And so she and her boyfriend, like, agree to, like, not touch, and they just basically watch each other masturbate. Mm -hmm. And it's like, does that count? Will that kill your unicorn? (laughs) Unicorns are allergic to masturbation, too, sadly, I assume. Yeah, I was about to ask that before. Do you think... <laughs> He's never nutted? Weston has ever masturbated. Oh, my God. Yeah, has this man ever nut? <laughs> okay, no, here's no, my November question. every day. <laughs> here's my fucking question. Because he mentions that his dad... Because he's always been, like, less sensitive to sexual energy. He mentions that his dad is, like, super, super sensitive to it and would get, like, horrible migraines around sexual people, especially, like, right after they'd had sex. Can you imagine you're sitting at the breakfast table living with your parents <laughs> your parents come downstairs and you're like, oh, God, my head. <laughs> Dad, what did you do? No, thanks. I hate it. Yeah, like, that's a curse upon you. Yeah, they discuss they discuss the um what the talk was for Winston. <laughs> for most children, it was merely excruciatingly embarrassing. Sex is a beautiful and natural thing. Many parents doubtless told their cringing children. Weissens suspected that very few followed that with, and if you ever do it, you'll use you'll lose your unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, it needs to be pure true love. So that's the pickle that <laughs> you just called him Winston. And I feel like we should just keep calling him Winston. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> last last episode, I was calling fucking Yuri Victor the entire episode. <laughs> oh, just like Yuri on Ice. <laughs> Love Yuri on Ice. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah. So we skip ahead and 
Flash is somehow... Oh, wait, wait, oh. hang on, hang on, real quick. Oh, what did I miss? What did we miss? Uh, I got a couple of things here. First of all, I have a Mimi highlight where uh, Weissen says, uh, when you're explaining things to me all those years ago, there were a few areas you left vague. You coughed, looking embarrassed. Well, you were 11 at the time. It seemed inappropriate to tell you in detail about my own sexual experiences. Believe me, I'm very grateful for that decision, Weissen said fervently. Unfortunately, I suspect I can no longer remain in blissful ignorance. His father muttered a swear word, rubbing at his forehead. Sometimes I really wish we were squirrel shifters. (laughs) Bless. Which opens up so many questions. Is there a limit to what can be a shift? Mm. Is there somebody who's like a slug shifter? (laughs) Did they talk about other shifters in the first book at all? I don't think they did. No, vaguely. I remember that Buck was to Edith. He was like, "I was worried you were about to tell me you're a, a hare or something," and she's like, "What are you talking about?" Because that's before yeah. she knew. This one, they drop a lot of lore bombs. They do, yeah, just incredibly casually. <laughs> yes, and that's that's what I was like thinking about because you know they say, "Oh, scroll shifter," and then later on they say, cause "I assume that was just like just a joke, like haha, that's not a thing yeah. because you can only like transform into something mythical, like a." unicorn or a griffin no they have actually said before that mythical shifters are really rare oh okay i didn't catch that then because i did like later on in the book they mentioned something about mythical shifters having abilities and so i was like oh so there's a difference like there are other shifters yeah Mm -hmm. they're just special what would you guys be Ooh. i mean we're just talking about personas here what's everyone's persona mine is a possum (laughs) I've always identified with black bears because they like salmon and they just kind of hang out and they don't really do anything. They don't bother you. But if you fuck with them, they'll fuck with you. I can see that. I mean, I want to say something cool, but I feel like I'd just be a dog. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I have huge golden retriever energy. <laughs> <laughs> you do. And now the listeners know our first zone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, fan artists get on that. <laughs> and... The other thing, oh, yeah, the other thing is, Forrest saw this already, but Nicole, please go into the jokes channel of our uh, of our Discord and <laughs> look at the image I have, I have made for you. <laughs> Whore. I love the details here. Thank you. I combined, like, five <laughs> images to make this. I, so, listeners, it's um, a FaceTime screen with a unicorn looking very sternly at the camera the background is the inside of a fire truck and it says whore that's what and that's weiston's dad <laughs> you can see it on the three little words uh twitter feed right now as when this episode drops <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> if i remember uh, uh the horse is loose or the deer is loose <laughs> the- here's the thing why is it a deer and not just a horse yeah, right? That's true. I, you know what? I think I know why. Because it's dainty? Yeah, because unicorns in this lore, in this book, are smaller than horses. They're, like, significantly smaller. Like, oh, like Weissen is described as humongous next to, and I think he's yeah. basically regular, maybe, like, Clydesdale size if, if we're going larger. But, like, I think he's, but the unicorns, they, they said, are, like, half his size. So I think unicorns in some lore are kind of deer-sized, so I think that's what we're seeing. Which is adorable, honestly. <laughs> I find it so funny that Weiston is the chat of unicorns. Right? Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's the virgin, 
but he's the Chad of unicorns. He's overcompensating. Dichotomy of man. He's both virgin and Chad. (laughs) (laughs) The virgin Weiston versus the Chad unicorn Weiston. Honestly, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they really get, like, into... Like detail about how how stud like of a unicorn he is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, dude, do you want me to want to fuck this horse? Yes, that's, that's the point of these books. <laughs> so she says, right, that like later on in the book, she's like, I would really regret like being. Candace later says, like, I I would regret later if I never got to see you naked, and it brings up the question. <laughs> Does Weiston's unicorn have a dick? Does he have a, does he have a horse-sized dick? Oh, God. I mean... Like, because theoretically it's just an animal, right? Like, I feel like if he had a horse-sized dick, that would at least have been mentioned in the very, very brief one sex scene that we do get in some capacity. I meant, like, in unicorn form. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah, you do see horse dick, especially when they, like, pee. <laughs> Because it's a unicorn and they're like so sensitive to the sexual energy and everything, uh, maybe they don't have genitals. It all mm. happens through the horn. I mean, that's the thing. They can telescope them away. Can they? <laughs> yeah, like horses can keep it tucked in and then they let it out to pee. Mm-hmm. We're all learning something here today. <laughs> Listeners, you can't see the face I'm making right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Someone who just went horseback riding the other day. I will tell mm-hmm. you, it comes out and it goes back in. And <laughs> now we know. I wish I had that power. Yeah. Uh, horse riding, were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Flash has disappeared. Uh, God missing. They don't know where she is. And Candace and Bethany talk about this. And they also talk about how she's going to fuck Weiston. They know where Flash is. Bethany is just that she got out of her cage. Oh, right, right, right. She's a little Sorry. escape artist. Yeah. They're like, how does she Houdini her way out? Apparently Flash is able to get out of her cage and close and lock it after she leaves. Yeah. Suspicious. Uh, but Weiston goes to quote unquote pick her up for their little date rendezvous. And he brings her flowers, which is very cute, but he holds them out to her and fucking Flash just like eats them. He's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Immediately. Adorable. And he's like, he's so cute about it. I actually put that down as a dreamy. It's so cute. I put that down as a dreamy highlight. Because he's like, it was that slight rueful smile, his genuine amusement as his attempt at a romantic gesture disappeared down a deer's gullet. It's so cute because even, you know, like he's like talking. So he like kind of just accepts that, you know, these flowers are no longer for. Candace, and he just holds them out to Flash for her to eat, and he's like, oh, well, at least someone's enjoying them, and that's just so cute. Yeah. Good reaction. He's adorable. He's an upbeat guy, generally. Yeah. Even if he's very hard on himself, he's very good-natured, and I like that about him. I love him. Yeah, agreed. He's so cute. Yeah. Also, he, uh, his, his unicorn is being, like, incredibly horny inside his head again. So horny. And, ha, horny. (laughs) <laughs> and, <laughs> that's it that's the episode and uh Weissen says you heard my father it's too soon to risk going to her bed do you want to disappear into a puff of sexual ecstasy his unicorn flicked an ear supremely unconcerned it would be worth it god you ever just want to <laughs> fuck so bad that you would die <laughs> the last book had fuck or die this book yeah. has fuck and die ooh <laughs> ooh the stakes are higher <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I love this too. Candace asked him if something's wrong after that, and he's like, er, he groped for an excuse that wasn't, sorry, the animal in my head is giving me terrible advice. That's Leona in our system telling us to eat black licorice. Oh, I love black licorice. She's the only person in our system who does. <laughs> it's so good. She has good taste. <laughs> <laughs> so then they have, like, an awkward interaction where where he's trying to kind of be like, I want to take you out on a date, and she's like, no, I just want to fuck. I don't do dates and he, she's like I can't figure you out at all and he's like I'm just sorry that you'll put the door in my face if I say the wrong thing her expression finally lightened he hooks a, hooked a finger over the top of his jeans making his breath catch in his throat she pulled him inside said don't say anything at all and they have some horny times well not not really no they don't really have that's, that's it <laughs> I mean sorry they yeah. have horny for one second <laughs> It's just, like, very intense, yeah. like, eye contact. Yeah. I did highlight that as steamy. Yeah, I think that's why I brought that up, because I highlighted it as steamy, where the, the next part, Claudia, where it says, at that moment, while horses couldn't have dragged words out of him, her light touch against his hips that fired his entire body, banishing all other thought. Only the fact that she still had the baby unicorn in her arms stopped him from pushing her up against the nearest wall. He does a lot of, like, wanting to push up against things yeah. in this book, and I'm in favor of that. Yeah, that's the good shit. They uh, they put Flash into uh, a cage, and Wysin <laughs> Wysin is um, first of all he uh, he's he talks to her and she and he's like, "Hey, just like stay there. I promise we'll be we'll be back in a little while. Everything will be okay." And Candace is just staring at him. He realized that he was, to her perspective, making an earnest and heartfelt speech to a baby deer. Candace didn't look like someone who was concerned for his sanity. There was a strange tenderness to her expression, a kind of gentle warmth that he had previously only seen her direct at creatures with four legs, which I think is cute. She really likes it, and he talks to Flash like she's a person. One of Candace's main character traits is that she loves animals more than people, I think, yeah. is how you would put it. Yep. She, she's very passionate about animals, and so she loves that he's just, like, so attuned to animals. It's very sweet. Yeah. It's very sweet. And uh, Fenrir actually comes over to help uh, to watch over Flash while they are on this sex date. And Candace just sees him as a very cute, gigantic dog and is like, oh, who's the best boy? Who's the best boy? And Fenrir's like, at me. He's like, she has good taste. Yeah. <laughs> Likes me best. Likes me best. It's so good. And can I just say, I freaking love Fenrir. Fenrir's great. Little caveman dog. I love him. He's yeah. great. And he's also, like, strangely insightful, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of nice, yeah. too. Let's see. This is their little uh, kind of date. Yes. Because Wysen's, like, he wants to delay the sex a little bit. <laughs> um, and he's like, do you want to, like, have dinner first? And she's like, I don't really do dinner. This isn't really a date. And he's like, when did you last eat? And she basically hasn't. She hasn't eaten since breakfast. Since, like, near sunset. That's you. Don't call me out. She had, like, trail mix for breakfast. Yeah. They uh, they go and they have some dinner from uh, the... I don't know what to call it. Like, the mess area of this uh, this base camp. The, the, the canteen. Yeah, the canteen. The dining area. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I have a I have a dreamy highlight mm-hmm. here of Weissen being so kind and polite to the person serving him food. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We stand. We stand respect to ser- like service providers. The server grunted noncommittally, but the faintest hint of pleasure tugged at his sour mouth. He added a second scoop of beans to Weiston's plate before passing it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I-, I love that about Weiston. He's very kind and he's just very genuine. You know, he's a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. Yeah, but it's, I I should have said what he said first, which is. Thank you. This looks marvelous. Truly impressive teamwork to do this all so quickly. He's so cute. A very good boy. Also, while they're while they're eating and talking, um, she makes some kind of innuendo at him. And she says, it was hard to tell in the harsh glare of the floodlights, but she was pretty sure he, he was blushing. For a man who was a walking incitement to public indecency, he sure was shy about dirty talk. Even the mildest innuendo made his pale skin flush. It was oddly endearing as well as just plain odd. Oh, and then, well, he's English, she reminded herself. <laughs> he once again. Terminally English. <laughs> yeah. So then the squad accosts them. <laughs> no, no, before. Oh, sorry. Before that, very importantly. Um, oh, right, yeah. They, they have a talk and he's like, I don't really, I don't really want a one night stand. And he he basically says, I kind of, I guess I kind of got you here under false pretenses because I never really intended to have a one night stand. And she's pretty upset about that. And he's like, you know, I, I, uh, I hate the whole fake romantic thing. Um, oh, look, but I was real clear about what I was offering. You told me that you wanted the same. The one thing I won't stand is dishonesty. He told it upright, too, every muscle tense as though he was poised to physically tackle her to the ground. I'm a virgin. I, it was so far from anything she'd expected him to say for a moment she wasn't sure she'd heard him right. What? I'm a virgin, he repeated. For once, he wasn't blushing. He held her gaze steadily. I wasn't lying. Gotta do the accent. You gotta do the accent. I'm a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wasn't lying. I can tell you... <laughs> I, I can't tell you how much I would like to take you to bed, but this is my first time. I need it to mean as much to you as it does to me. Are you kidding me? She said incredulously. <laughs> you expect me to believe that? Seriously? I was waiting for the right person, he said quietly. I was waiting for you. Which, oh my god, I'm going to die of embarrassment reading that. Like I literally, I have that highlighted and it says, honey, no. Yeah. You, you were doing so well. Like... What would you do if somebody that you met that day said that to you? (laughs) I'm sorry, even if I'm feeling like faded made attraction, no, I can't do this. You have to do better. Which is exactly what she does. She says, right, and we're done here. I'm out. She's so valid. Like, every single reaction she has is totally justified. Yeah. (laughs) It is. But then the team accosts her, is is the only way I can describe it. And... I really love this whole scene because um, you really get like a sense of how close the entire team is. Yeah, it's true. Found family. Also, Edith introduced herself as Rory's mate, which makes me want to die. Like, <laughs> Oh God, I know. Just Edith, please read the room. I know you're autistic, but like also 
do you think this is an appropriate way to introduce yourself? I know that it's- <laughs> I know that she's also his mate, but like she doesn't know that. Yeah. If someone, like, introduced themselves to me as someone's mate, I'd be like, oh, they're into some, like, weird (laughs) shit that I do not, like, want to be a part of. I'm out. (laughs) It's like some kind of 24-7 dom-sub stuff. Oh, no, thank you. Honestly, I think we're making pretty good time through this book. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're 25% of the way through. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of, like, plot stuff that we can skim. Yeah. We're here for relationship, not plot. Yeah. Whereas the last book was a lot of relationship, this book is a lot of plot. Yeah. And, like, I like that, though. I like I like all the lore they gave us. Yeah, I... Uh, uh, I just wish I, it was hornier. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you like the lore stuff in this, or the, the plot stuff in this book? Uh, I mean, it's, it definitely is more interesting than the first book. Yeah, I actually really liked the plot nice. stuff overall. I thought, I thought it worked way better in this one mm-hmm. than in the first book. Partly because it felt more personal to the characters. Yes. Yeah, because I like the plot stuff. I did feel like it was kind of dragged out at times. But overall, yeah, I did like it. And I liked, you know, just I like getting more lore. I like the lore bombs. Yeah. Anyway, um, we were saying that back to the the squad accosting them when Edith uh, Mm -hmm. introduced herself as Rory's mate, which made, you know, yeah, Candace was like, she doesn't sound Australian. (laughs) Why is she saying mate? <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like also the found family aspect of it. Because they did all, basically, like the, the history of them as they all grew up together. Because again, their parents were all on the firefighter squad together in, in back in England. Right? Yeah, jolly old England. Jolly old England. And uh, so they, they all very much are like, have a sibling bond. And I'm just, I'm so fucking thirsty for that at all times. And I love it so much. And I, that's like, actually probably what really kept me coming back to these books is that they have such a great bond between the entire squad that even though they keep each book is about the romance of them finding their mate, they also just like all are so enmeshed with each other and like care about each other so much and support each other in all the books. Mm, the good shit. Yeah. It's about the family. I love that. Yeah, it's like as much as like of of a love story. This is, I mean, like a romantic love story. This is. This is also just like a like a familial love story. Like they are family. They love each other very much, and we get to see a lot of their interactions and everything, uh, which just show how strong their relationships are. And I love seeing that. Yeah. Later on when he has his talk with with Joe in the stream and you know just there are a lot of times here we see how how yeah how how good they are as like a, a family unit. Yeah. I fucking love it. Drink that shit up. Yum 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 yum. Mm-hmm. The thing that we get here is Blaze first of all they yeah they accost Candace and they basically prevent her from leaving which creeps me out a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. But she seems to be into it because she sits back down. Yeah. They're like, let me tell you, Blaze is like, I'm going to tell you a story about Wyston from when we were children. And Wyston is like, I will pay you $10 million to not <laughs> tell this story. Which he has since his family apparently owns most of England. Yeah. We we get a lore <laughs> bomb at the end. It's yeah. like, my family owns a large part of England. And it's like, your family does what now? He, he's heir to an earldom. <laughs> yeah. He's an yeah. earl. The fuck? <laughs> like, and you're fighting fires in America? 
Yeah. What are you doing? You know? Anyway. Well, I mean, fucking Joe is, like, gonna be emperor of the sea or yeah, some shit. Yeah, that's another lore bomb that they just <laughs> drop. He's, he's the heir apparent to the Pearl Empire. It's because you guys didn't read the prequels. You would have known all this already. Oh, yeah, I guess. Us. <laughs> but, oh my god, the way they just casually drop it. I know, it's very like, funny. <laughs> So Blaze tells this story about how in their, the English equivalent of middle school, I think, um, she gets her period in class and he realizes what's happened. She's super embarrassed. She's like, I'm never going to let this down. He realizes what's happened and Weiston responds to this in a way <laughs> that I said, you could have done a lot of other things. <laughs> but instead he, uh-huh. he chooses to strip butt naked and jump up on his desk and <laughs> starts yelling things and he says i was 12 i panicked utter pandemonium blaze said with relish while both rory and joe chuckled weisson raced around the room little white buns twinkling all the while yelling stuff like i am not a number for the rebellion cop adm and evading all attempts to catch him then he streaked out the door teacher in hot pursuit and naturally the entire class pelted after them because this was some class a entertainment half the boys were throwing off their own clothes too just for the sheer hell of it and in the meantime, she was able to, like, you know, get out, wrap, wrap his discarded uh, shirt around her waist and cover up her her period mess. But I was like, Weissen, could you have just, like, taken off your sweater? I don't know. <laughs> like, give it her your sweater. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot. They say he had to do some mandatory counseling after that or something. Yeah. <laughs> Four months of compulsory therapy. Yeah. Has anyone ever caused a ruckus in a class of yours? As- I'm just thinking. Not like that. <laughs> like, what's the, what's the most chaotic thing that has happened to you in a class? That I've caused? Oh, that's, that has happened. Oh, I know happened. I haven't oh, done man. anything. I mean, I went to a public school in New Jersey. We we had a couple of fist fights happen. There was there was one really good one in uh in an assembly. Two girls just started beating the shit out of each other in in, in the back rows, and they they ended the assembly and got everyone out of there. Oh my god! And it was so fucking funny. Um, <laughs> it took like five teachers to to pull them off of each other too. Oh my god! And they kept like they kept like letting them go and being like, "Okay, you cool." And they kept fighting again. <laughs> <laughs> So fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fights at my school, but I think like the dumbest thing that happened was it was my senior year. I was in my AP psych class and we were just like hanging out, whatever. And this kid just comes running into the classroom and he goes, he goes to the teacher. He's like, I'm hiding from public safety or from security. And she's like, what did you do? What is happening? And he's like, I went to the third floor. So we had um one of the wings had a staircase and you know, the balconies, or whatever, like overlooks, you know, everything. It's not like, it's not like a closed staircase. It's an open one where you can see below you. Mm-hmm. And I guess he got like a fuck ton of Monopoly money and just made it rain all over, all over the wing. And so then like security was chasing him throughout the school. And so my AP psych teacher let him hide in the classroom. <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
Yeah, so it's just like silly, but like we we did have a lot of fights though. Yeah, like, I was gonna and, say like kids bringing vodka to school. Oh, yeah. in seventh grade. Yeah, I was gonna say I went to a gigantic public school in Southern California. We had a lot of like uh, there was a stabbing in my school. They were okay eventually, but it's a lot less whimsical <laughs> than than what is the story. There definitely was some close. streaking too. I do vaguely remember some streaking happening across like the quad. So. A more I'd imagine being confident enough to pull your dick out in front of your peers. For real. Imagine being a teacher, because, like, you know, back in high school, if that if I saw that, I would have been like, oh my god, like, what's happening? But now, as an adult, I would be like, what is this fucking child doing? Like, yeah. this is so inappropriate. You gotta avert your eyes. Yeah. So, Blaze wraps this up by saying, By nature, this man is the most polite, proper, modest guy you will ever meet. And when someone he cares about is in trouble, he will do literally anything to make it better. Without a second of hesitation, Joe added. And most importantly, Rory finished, one big hand settling on Weissen's shoulder, in the most complicated, self-sacrificing, and above all, idiotic way possible. Yep. You love to see it. To which Candace replies, if these are your friends, I'd hate to meet your enemies. <laughs> it's very sweet. And it works. She's like, yeah. wow, they really love him. That's a cute story. Maybe I'll give this guy another chance. Yeah. Also, Blaze compares him to Bambi in human form at, at age 12, <laughs> which Weston says, thank you for that marvelously manly comparison. <laughs> oh, sorry, Joe compares him. To, to Bambi in human form. <laughs> he is, though. Yes. Yeah. Also, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta talk about something here. We find out that Blaze's last name is Swan May, which... Oh, yeah. Weird last name. <laughs> they all have weird-ass names. Yeah. What is Rory's last name? Is it Griffin? No, because his dad's name is Griffin, remember? That is... <laughs> Griffin, Griffin Griffin. Griffin. Like Montgomery Montgomery. <laughs> Let me look it up. McCormick, right? McCormick. Oh, McCormick. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that they wrote out Rory's dialogue in Scottish Brogue. <laughs> God. <laughs> anyway, um, the the other thing is that uh, she describes herself as an early bloomer busting out every words. It's all over my face. Just a wrecking ball of hormones. Complete ugly duckling, right? I'll have to take your word for it. Candace couldn't imagine Blaze's anything other than totally home in her body. The hotshot exuded confidence since you evidently turned into a swan at some point. Swan, swan May. Oh. Well, also gay. gay. (laughs) Listen, later on, I have some some comments about some homoerotic stuff that I missed out on. Swan gay. Oh, I wish, I don't, I haven't actually, I don't remember reading Blaze's book, but I know, I'm sure they didn't go for the queer romance in it, but can you imagine? Can you imagine? She's so clearly gay. A lesbian place. Oh, absolutely. I know! <sighs> but anyway. They get interrupted. Yeah, they get interrupted and everyone just, like, perks up like they're a fucking wolf pack. Because <laughs> they are. And there's just, like, complete silence amongst the squad. And Edith uh, slaps Rory's shoulder and she says, don't do that, it's rude. Because they're all telepathically communicating in front of in front of Candace. Which made Edith feel like she was like having super broken autism time in the last book because she was like, they all seem to be like yeah. understanding something that I don't because yeah. they could literally <laughs> talk to each other in their minds. So Edith's like, knock it off. <laughs> I liked that con- continuity. Okay, so some lore from the last book. Uh, there are these 
like demons that if they bite you, they can take over your body and shift it into into a, a demon. You have these big black horns and red eyes and fangs. And there's also this other thing. It's a shifter that's a thunderbird, which is a gigantic like eagle or a condor, and it can shoot lightning. Um, and the Thunderbird constantly hunts these demons, and it starts forest fires seemingly unintentionally, but also probably a little bit intentionally, to stop these demons. And so the Thunderbird is here, and a fire has broken out. And first of all, when they said the Thunderbird was back, my note was, no, like, I, I was enjoying the romantic comedy so much, please don't bring in the Thunderbird I hated the Thunderbird last time. <laughs> it's much better here, but hang on, I have a dreamy highlight here for some reason. Oh, so bef- before a fire is broken out, or before they realize a fire is broken out, they all like go and see like what the Thunderbird might be up to. And when the rest of the squad leaves, uh, Weiston and Candace have a little talk where Candace is like, you know, you seem like a really nice and genuine guy, and, like, I... He apologizes for leading her on, for one thing, and says, you are right to be yeah. angry with me. It was unconscionable for me to falsely offer you something I had no intention of delivering as a mean to my own ends. <laughs> to which she's like, yeah. you do realize that most guys promise a relationship as a way of getting sex, right? Not the other way around. <laughs> and he says, Candace, I do desire you. I'm not exactly like most men. I can't tell you how much I desire you, but I want you for more than a single night. I need this to be more than a casual fling. Why? She sounded honestly baffled. Why are you so set on me? Because you, he said simply. Which I found pretty romantic, honestly. After, after Yeah. Okay. There's a huge difference between I was waiting from I was saving my virginity for you, stranger <laughs> I have just met. <laughs> yeah. And like I I want you because you're you and I feel really attracted to you and there is yes. something just special about you. Yeah, and I do like that he says cuz she's like not buying this and he's like she, he's like she's like you just met me. He's like I know that you can take care of a lost fawn as if she was a lost child. I know that a rat can be chewing your hand off and your primary concern will be its health and I know I know that you have been hurt. And she says, "Well, duh," showing him her scars. He says, I don't mean there. He tapped his own chest over his heart. I mean here. I know that you must have good reasons to want to keep me at a distance. I know that you don't want to risk getting hurt again. But I also know that something else, some strange impulse that you don't fully understand is stopping you from just walking away without a backward glance right now. The defensive scorn on her face flickered just a bit. Her eyes searched his face. She was still listening. I know that you desire me. I know that you will always be honest with me. I know that you don't suffer fools gladly. Which is somewhat of a pity, as my friends told you, I can be exceptionally foolish. I'm, I'm like struggling how much of this to completely read because it's, yeah, it's <laughs> such a it's long such conversation. A, it's like several pages, but I really like what he says. Like you're saying, yeah. The crux of it that I have highlighted is he says everything I know about you so far makes me yearn to know more. Give me time to show you who I am. I know you don't have any reason to want me the way that I want you. Not yet, but please give me a chance. So I love that he just lays it all out for her as much as he can without saying I'm a shifter, which, you know, kind of hard to slip in, I guess. It was awkward. It was clumsy. It was utterly glorious. It was his first ever kiss. He had never kissed anybody before. Yeah. Which, like, that wasn't part of the 
the the deal. Yeah. You could have done some smooching. Like, how strict is this unicorn thing? Yeah. Can I have an impure thought? And also, she's like, okay, now I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> now I believe you're a virgin. <laughs> because <laughs> they, they bonk noses or something. Yeah. Oh, the virgin Weiston versus the Chad Candace. <laughs> <laughs> But that really demonstrates kind of what what is so great about about their relationship. What I do love about their relationship is that he really tries to be as honest and authentic and genuine with her as possible, which is what she needs. She needs to be able to trust that he's telling her the truth. The way that he expresses it is very beautiful and it works for her, Mm -hmm. even though she's like trying really hard to keep it on an arm's length. She's like, you know, it's she's starting to kind of soften. Well, yeah, because how can you not when somebody says, like, I want you because you because you're you and everything about you and i'd be i would i would cave weiston's <laughs> got more game than rory i'm gonna say it oh my god weiston yeah. weiston weiston could get me to fall in love with him yeah he's got them pretty words i'm looking at the cover right now it's not really my type also he suffers from being british but <laughs> but terminally but damn it if he ain't a good wordsmith you know yeah i don't know plus he's got those frosted tips <laughs> I heard he was in Backstreet Boys. <laughs> so a fire breaks out, as I mentioned before. At the camp. At the camp, yeah. At her trailer. At her trailer. Where the animals are. Mm-hmm. They can't find Flash initially, but Weissen sees that he's over with that Flash is over with Fenrir, who's like off on the other side of the clearing prairie. Where the fuck are they? It's like clearing, a clearing. I guess. Yeah. The other side of this grove, uh, she and Weissen rush in to rescue some of these animals, right? That's what happens. Here, I can tell you what happens. So she goes into the her trailer to look for Flash, and she's panicking. And she notices there's, like, a huge thing, like, whole rent in the side of the trailer, like something ripped it open. And she's looking for Flash, panicked, and Flash is not in the cage. And so then... Weissen point is able to grab her and points out to her, oh look, Frenier's got him over, over got her over there. And um so then after that, he he basically tells her, You go like check on Flash and stay with her. I'm gonna like, you know, everyone else here, we're gonna like get all the animals out. I'll be fine, you know, take take care of them, I'll be back. And then he really takes charge, which I also marked as dreamy, because he like he, his voice rang out above the crackle of flames, giving orders in calm, clear tones. Uh, we love we love uh, taking charge in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I love that about him. Where he's usually very like I mean, because Rory's the alpha, so Rory is obviously always in charge and everything. And Weston's just kind of cool, you know. I mean, even in their relationship, Candace kind of holds the reins. But when he takes charge like that, I'm like, ooh, yeah, Weston, hundred percent, kind of does it for me. <laughs> He's got it in him. Yeah, it's like, but he, only when he like needs to do it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll do it if I have to. But like, otherwise, I'm like a pretty chill dude. Yeah, I love that. So there's this like, uh, also very good name, Night Mare, Mare as in like horse, Night as in like the night time, not yeah. the K N I. But anyway, <laughs> so very good name, and it's this like shadow horse like creature, and so. It, it, it looks like one like a like I want to say corrupted I guess corrupted horse like yeah. creature, but it has a horn. It's it's a unicorn of some kind, and it's very clearly trying to get to Flash, 
for some reason. We do not know why. And Fenrir is like hurt and unconscious, so is unable to help. And so Candace is just seeing this this thing come toward her. It's very creepy, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so she's like holding Flash, not knowing what to fucking do because this thing's about to like charge at her. And then suddenly, a unicorn. Oh my god. Out of yeah. nowhere. A real life unicorn. And like kind of uh they don't really fight at this point, I think, right? It just kinda no. like scares him scares yeah, no. the, the nightmare away. They they yeah. have like a a standoff and that's kind of it. Yeah, and then it just bolts. But then Candace is confronted with a real life unicorn standing in front of her. Yeah. And her reaction is very funny. Oh, because I think before she even like saw uh, the unicorn, she noticed that Flash looked different. Yeah. And she's like, I think it might be like the smoke fumes or something, but it looks like this deer has a horn and it's not quite a deer. But she just attributes it to like smoke inhalation or something. Yeah. Uh, but then, no, she's confronted with an actual unicorn and he's fucking ginormous. And also, this entire time, I'm wondering how far away are they from other people that they're. <laughs> Totally missing, missing this flash of light that happens when a unicorn arrives and yeah. everything. People can't typically see mythic shifters. Yeah, they establish that. Like yeah. most, humans. there's a fire distracting them. Yeah, that's true. true, true, true. But yeah, I love her reaction because she's like, she basically she laughs hysterically, noticing that both because because Flash like touches horns with Weiston the unicorn, and and she she sees this and notices that realizes they're both unicorns. She's like. Okay, right. I give up. Of course, you're both unicorns. And they, the, the Weissen and Flash kind of look at each other like, uh, not really sure how to handle this. And and so Candace assumes that that's Flash's dad, and she also realizes they can understand. Yeah, and she's just like talking to this unicorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a Mimi thing here. Do you guys have this? She's like, and you can clearly understand me. At this point, Candace would not have been surprised if Ben had opened his mouth and belted out a flawless rendition of "Shake It Off." <laughs> By Taylor Swift? So stupid. <laughs> um, that dates this book really intense. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, so she's telling, you know, the unicorn, she's like, you gotta get out of here before someone sees you. She's like, no, please don't go. She's looking through her pockets. She's like, I'm sorry, I don't have any sugar, lo- sugar lumps. Um, dog biscuit? Which I'm just like, Candace, I love you so much. <laughs> she's so good. I love her. Yeah, she's like, get out of here, you know, Weiss will be here any second, and, like, you know, people can't see you. Uh, but then it's, like... She's trying to protect... She immediately meets a unicorn and she tries to protect it. Of course. Which speaks That's so much about her character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, at her... Yeah, that That is who she is. It's just somebody who cares about animals more than anything, and I, I love her so much. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, big old bright light, and surprise, it's Weiston! He says, Candace. It's me. <laughs> and she just says, okay. <laughs> like, literally it says, okay, was all she said. And then she gets to her feet and asks, like, can you can you carry Fenrir? <laughs> Which I just, the, the perfect response. Like, okay. Okay. I, I really appreciate in this book that they get the shifter stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not what this book about. The last book is about, like, the secrets we keep from each other and how we need to like break down those walls and things and how they're okay to talk about. And then this book is about like needing to like let people in, you know, Mm -hmm. and about like dealing with one's own 
trauma, I guess? Uh, yeah. Does Weissen have trauma? I kind of think well, he has trauma. He has an inferiority yeah, complex. He has hangups, at least. Yeah, he has a yeah. complex. So, you know, poor Fenrir's like, knocked the fuck out. Uh, and so they need to get out of there. And uh, Flash just fucking teleports everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, apparently she whoa. can just do that. So that's how she was getting out of her cage. Yeah. While it's still being locked. Which was really funny. We we didn't mention it, but like they'd been like literally barricading the cage that Flash was kept in because she kept escaping. So like it was like when when uh, when Candace ran in to save her from the fire, like freaking out because she's like in this cage and then like a trailer that's basically on fire. She's like the fuck the cage is empty it's like covered in like heavy bags there's like it's like completely barricaded off but uh that explains that she has the the magic power of teleportation which is not common uh they they come to the 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 whole group has a conversation about the nightmare and about what is going on and Mm -hmm. they theorize that the nightmare is flash's mother like taken over by one of those demons and that it's trying to get to Flash for some reason. Also, here's here's a lore bomb that they just never mention again. She could have zapped all three of us with her death bolt power, but she didn't. Her what now? <laughs> Does Weissen have a death bolt that he can use? I think that's not the unicorn. It's, I think it's the demon oh, that has it? that ability. Yeah, that, that's how I... Okay. That's what got Fenrir. As- they just refer to it so casually. <laughs> yeah. Death bolt. Okay, but here's I have a big gripe about this, about this mm-hmm. whole conversation that they have, where they're like, we're they're they're figuring out that maybe that's Flash's mother that's been possessed by the demon. And they're like, we can't possibly let risk letting the nightmare and flash reunite no matter how much they both want to. But they know that in the, the previous book, Rory was saved. It was had the demon exercised from him because Edith used the mate bond. So they know that like if there's a strong enough bond, the demon will be exercised. They don't think a parent bond, a mother's bond for their child will be strong enough to exercise a demon. They're not even willing to try that. Like I feel like that was the first place my mind went. No, just mates apparently. Yeah, they're very set on the idea of just mates, yeah. Straight people. Or maybe they were just afraid to try. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they were afraid to try because I mean, Flash is pretty defenseless, yeah, that little baby. Uh, so it the safer route and something that has like gar- is guaranteed to work as it worked in the past is like getting the mate to do it. Yeah. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, fair. I just feel like they could have come up with some kind of plan. I don't know. Oh yeah, I was thinking that the whole time too. But again, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I'll be nice. They also like casually mention like true mates in this conversation and Candace is like, what's that? And Weissen's like, I'll tell you later. And <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry about it, dude. Except <laughs> Weissen's like, don't worry about it, dude. <laughs> so they also like aren't sure where Flash's father is because it's like, I guess there are unicorns. Where did this baby unicorn come from? If that's its mother. Good question. It's true. You see, when one or more unit, when two or more unicorns of various genders love each other very much. (laughs) They buy a condo. (laughs) It's true. 
<laughs> I mean, they're in California. Did they check like UC Santa Cruz? I feel like there's some unicorns on that <laughs> campus, probably. God. Also, um, Buck says fuck here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Buck right. Let Buck, say, let Buck say fuck. Put that on the shirt. Most of the time he's he says like mother loving instead of motherfucking. And I, I I thought that they were just kind of getting around like saying fuck in this book, I guess. And then he says, it's a motherfucking monster. Now you want to fucking make friends with it. And it's like, oh. And everyone's like, oh, shit. Buck said fuck. Buck, buck, bo, buck, banana, fana, fo, fuck. Buck, fucks. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's actually like some um, foreshadowing. I mean, it's like clear, it's hinted throughout at least these two books, especially that, that Buck has like personal vendetta against this, this Thunder Road mm. and like wants them to kill it. So yeah. I feel like that's another sort of showing that. Yeah, this is in response to their idea to, like, try and communicate with Thunderbird. And Buck does not like that idea. Yeah, because they get it. The Thunderbird's hunting the shadow creature thing. And so if they could, like, work with the Thunderbird, they can take care of it while also not causing a million forest fires. Yeah, exactly. Also, the here's where they casually drop the lore bomb of Joe sauntered off whistling. Blaze shook her head. Unbelievable, she muttered, and that man is meant to be the next emperor of the sea. Heaven help us all. I have a lot of notes here that amount to he's what? They're what? (laughs) The what? (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, though, yeah. It's just like in the first book where they just like rapid fire all the characters at you and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. So then they go off to they're they're all going to bed. They're like, well, you know, let's let's go get some rest and and. Weissen offers to have Candace stay in his tent. Oh, yeah. And, and they have a conversation. They have an argument. <laughs> or at least she's mad at him for not telling oh, yeah. her yeah. that he's a shifter. She's mad at him that uh, he didn't tell her that Flash was a unicorn. Because, like, what if unicorns are allergic to, to painkillers or something? And he thinks to himself, just when I thought I couldn't love her any more than I already did. Yeah, because that's her first response is, I could have heard this unicorn, so I didn't know it was a unicorn. How dare you? And that's yeah. fucking adorable. Claudia, you missed the O's in there, which make oh, it shit. for me. I highlight that as dreamy because okay, just me. the way he, the way he thinks that he's like, oh, his breath caught. Oh, just when I thought I couldn't love her any more than I already did. That's like, true. Oh, Weston. And then he tells her, you are utterly magnificent. <laughs> She's like, what? And he says, a creature out of a nightmare attacked you tonight. Your campsite burned down. I dragged you into a whole hidden world you never suspected existed. One filled with danger and terror. And yet, still your first thought is for the creature under your care. And he says that uh, he's going to, like, you know, keep watch tonight so that she can rest because she needs rest. And he says, Candace, you need to stop worrying about everyone else and concentrate on taking care of yourself. But Candace started... I promise I will explain anything and everything to you. He interrupted her, greatly daring. He took her shoulders, gently rubbing her tense muscles. She didn't pull away. But in the morning, you need to rest, please. She wants to ask one more question. And he thinks to himself she was the most stubborn, impossible woman in the world. And he adored her. He adored that about her, even as she drove him mad. Mm. Which is very cute. And she asks, why is a true mate? And... He, 
you know, gives her the rundown of, like, there is one person in the world for every shifter, and some of them are lucky enough to meet that one person. And surprise, you're that one person for me. Sorry. <laughs> and she says, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nuh-uh. Time out. You win. I have officially reached my weirdness quotient for one day. I'm going to bed. <laughs> She's so valid. Yeah. Oh, but then this, this like broke my heart a little bit. And he says, I'll be right outside. Call me if you need anything. What I need is for things to go back to being normal. Which like, yeah, valid response. But also like, poor Weston in that moment. Yeah, he says that yeah. was, he feared the one thing that he would never be able to provide. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then he literally sleeps on her doorstep. Yeah, like he yeah. sleeps outside of the right tent. outside the tent, which is really cute. I mean, that wasn't entirely his doing, though, because yeah. Rory like alphaed him into right. just passing out. Yeah. <laughs> what are That's the great. limits of the alpha voice? Do you think? Good question. Give me all your money. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what he did for Edith <laughs> getting his severance pay. Oh shit! That's true. I forgot that's about true. that. <laughs> I mean, I literally just immediately go to the in the kink direction, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's too bad it doesn't work on Edith. I go on the money direction. What does that say about me? <laughs> I thought of both. <laughs> so, the dichotomy of woman. <laughs> okay, so Candace, uh, the next bit is very Mimi to me. Candace woke up in bed with the unicorn. For a moment, she just stared blearily at the shining apparition. Flash's wide amethyst eyes gazed innocently back. Little shimmering sparkles danced around her small horn, turning the interior of the tent into a fairy disco. Oh crap, you're not a dream, Candace groaned, letting her head thump back onto the thin pillow. None of it was a dream. Flash twitched her nose and sneezed in Candace's face. Contrary to popular belief, the unicorn spit was not in fact comprised of glitter and rainbows. I find it cute and funny that they include that. Yeah, I like that. She sees him sleeping outside. Yeah. And she notices that he she she's very enamored with, with looking at him while he sleeps because he looks very like he looks way less um uptight. <laughs> Like self-conscious, he's just like a lot more assured. Guarded, guarded. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> you know, I guess like the the vibe she was getting from him is that like he does have this like strong, powerful like presence about him, but he kind of like dampens that when he's just like out and about in his daily life, and so you can see just how strong of a person he is when he's asleep. Mm-hmm. When he's not putting up this whole, mm-hmm. like, I'm a proper young British man. Shield. Shield. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if that will come back. <laughs> I wonder if that will come back. Another moment be- uh, with his squad mates is like, somebody found him a blanket and tucked him in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So cute. And she so also cute. tucks him in, which is <laughs> also really cute. Please tuck this tired British boy in. <laughs> he's so tired. So British. <laughs> <laughs> She goes over and has some Joe coffee. <laughs> yeah, Joe's incredibly oh, spicy yeah. coffee. Oh, also, um, <laughs> uh, there was a line here that, that reminded me of, of you, babe. Uh, Candace asked, do you have coffee? Coffee would definitely help. We have. Blaze hesitated in a way that was not entirely reassuring. Joe coffee. 
The best kind of coffee, said Joe himself overhearing. The huge man was hunched over a pot, simmering on the fire, stirring it with the intense concentration of an alchemist. Just a few more minutes. You can't rush perfection. I was like, oh, that's girlfriend coffee. (laughs) It is girlfriend coffee. Oh, I can't wait for girlfriend coffee in two weeks. So whenever Forrest visits, I I often get up before him because he's on West Coast time. And um, I make him, like, special coffee. Every morning, like I, I like French press it and put in like special ingredients and things. Cool herbs, cool really nice. herbs, interesting stuff. <laughs> trying to think of some examples, but I'm totally blanking. I think I could, I could give Joe a run for his money. Do you make it hot and spicy? Sometimes I made, Ooh. I made them like a Mexican hot chocolate one. I put in, in some cayenne and some chocolate. Mm. It's like a. It's always so fucking delicious. I can't wait. I'm so excited. But also, I just lo- I, I just really love Joe. I, I really relate to Joe. I really deeply love him as a character, and I love that he's kind of a goofball, but clearly like has a lot of shit going on underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that he makes horrendous coffee that no one else. I love Joe because he's a big old slut. He is also a big old slut. I love him. He's a huge slut. That's another way that I really relate to him. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and that he makes terrible, terrible coffee concoctions because he's sensory seeking as fuck and that no one else can fucking drink and in fact when she drinks it what happens guys oh my god fucking weiston comes running because it like activated his like mate protection instinct because the coffee had such an effect on her, her. like fight or flight yeah. goes off which is so fucking funny Just ridiculous also uh, they talk about how uh, mythical shifters all have, like, a special power. Weiston's is supposed to be healing, but his doesn't really work. And Rory has his alpha command, as we established last time. Callum can sense people and animals. Blaze can sense fires. And Joe says that he has no power. Mm-hmm. Sure, babe. <laughs> I'm sure it's all true. Did they establish if Fenrir has one? Well, he's a hellhound. Yeah. So yeah, he can like change shape and like face through like yeah dimensions, basically. Yeah. He's just kind of magical as is. I also find it funny that apparently they had to get like a license for Fenrir, (laughs) like a dog license, and I'm. They said that they couldn't figure out what breed to put down for him, and I can't. I I'm. I, what breed do you think they put down in the end? Ah, uh, I should have the answer to this. Let me do some research. I'm thinking like one of those like big Himalayan mastiffs. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. The fucking huge ass dogs that look like... Like a Bernese mountain dog. Ooh, I would yeah. say like, maybe like a wolf dog, Bernese mm. mountain dog mix. He doesn't need to be purebred. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, do you want to summarize this part with the uh, the rescuing the horses? Oh, we're there already? Jesus. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much just, like, strategizing that they mm-hmm. talk about. There's a lot to just kind of skim in our summary. Yeah, I have some, like, highlighted stuff, but it's, like, nothing of importance. Yeah, exactly. Actually. That's kind of where I was at, too. That. The part where she, Candace, watches Edith and Rory working together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had that highlighted. Yeah, yeah. They're, oh, it's dreamy. Apparently, Edith and Rory are just like so connected that they work together flawlessly, which is so nice. Yeah, like they're literally just like 
She says it was like watching a pair of circus strugglers. They moved like a single pair of hands in perfect unison. As she watched, Edith stood up, reaching out to load the last tool into the truck. Rory caught the McLeod's long wooden handle, tugging Edith close enough to steal a kiss. Even at a distance, the love between the pair was obvious. Which, like, oh, yeah, got me. That got me. Yeah, they're adorable. They really are. I love seeing them in this book. Um, but yeah, it just shows uh, every. You know, it just shows Candace what a true mated couple looks like. Yeah, <laughs> and she's basically like, uh, "Couldn't be me." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I did have a dreamy that I do want to talk about, though, real mm-hmm. quick before we get to horse stuff. Yeah, do it. They, they receive a call that they have to go and take care of a fire. So, yeah, fire happening. And it's also happening at, what is it, like a camp or something? Like a yeah, camp? it's like a troubled kids camp. Something like that. But the, and there are 10 horses there. So they the horses need to be evacuated, which is why Candace is also coming. So she... And Weiston are driving together, and it's it's like a it's very awkward because he mm. just you know she now knows that she is his mate and is not exactly accepting of that, so it's a little awkward for them. Uh, he even tells her that he loves her yeah. at one point while driving, which ooh, he just blurts it out. I wrote, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like she she reacts. Pretty, I mean, like, not negatively towards that. He says, let's see. Well, we get the part before that where where uh, Flash is, wor- like, sends them a mental image of, like, an ice wall between them and is, like, concerned because they're fighting. And Weissen, and then they're like, oh, it's okay. We're, we're okay. And Weissen's like, I feel like we skipped, skipped several important steps in this relationship. Oh, no, sorry. Candace says this. We seem to have jumped straight to agreeing to stay together for the sake of the kids, which I put as meanie. That was very good. And so uh, Weissen says, I did not want to presume this, that this was a relationship, given the events of last night. Yeah, that whole saving my life thing was a real turnoff, she agreed, deadpan. And you only turn into a unicorn. Now, if you turn into something sexy, like a skunk or a mudskipper, she waggled her eyebrows at him suggestively. A laugh burst from him, along with, I love you. He hadn't meant to say it. He froze. Yeah, Candace returned her eyes to the road, but there was a new kind of thoughtfulness to her face. I'm beginning to get that, crazy as it seems. Like, oh. Cute. Uh, But then she says, no dating app in the world would have matched the two of us up. And then he says, but fate did, and I for one am very glad of it. She huffed, but the hint of a smile tugged at her mouth. You big romantic. Well, I guess opposites really do attract. Apparently, he said, gazing at the strong, confident, extraordinary woman next to him. I really love them together. I love them. Because it's like, yeah, they are total opposites. But they just work so well together. Yeah. Like, I feel Edith and Rory were always, like, pretty on the same page. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they, like, really match up. But I agree that, like, no dating app would have matched up Candace and and Weiston. Yeah. Let me continue with this little bit here, though. (laughs) So he was afraid that she thought that he was like kind of trying to, to trick her into doing something with him. Uh, so she, a- he asks her, did you truly fear I was trying to er swindle you in some way? Candace shrugged. She rubbed at her right wrist above the bandaged rat bite. She had the impression it was a habitual, or he had the impre- impression it was a habitual gesture and one that she wasn't even aware of doing. Let's just say life has left me with a healthy sense of caution. She said, 
If something looks too good to be true, it is. He watched her fingers trace the rough burned scars running up her arm. And how does you and me look? She shot him a troubled glance. Perfect. Oh. Ugh. I love that. Mm-hmm. Dreamy, but also very sad. When you've been hurt a lot and have a lot of trauma, when something, even when something looks like it's like, wow, you're actually perfect for me, and like we have a really good relationship, it still is like really scary. It's true. So relatable. If, if trauma has given me something, it's this one a great <laughs> sense of humor, and two, <laughs> trust issues. <laughs> God. Mood. Uh, yeah, so they go to this fire. And they, you know, go clear it up. So it's only the the A squad, A team right now, uh, because they actually work faster that way. Because now we get to see Joe transform into this, like, sea dragon, uh, which is really fucking big, apparently. Yeah, I was... Yeah. I was surprised to actually find out what it looked like. And it felt like a tiny bit of a retcon. Because in the last book, Joe was, like, in their room like holding down rory like with his tail and it's like i don't think joe would fit in a room inside yeah let's see they said that he's like longer than a school bus and i don't think that was including the tail yeah i gotta check now i'm bringing up wildfire griffin here (laughs) his sleek serpentine body was longer than a school bus and that wasn't even including his tail yeah and here i thought they were outside they're outside in this, in, like, here, right now. But in Wildfire Griffin... I guess they don't specify where this is, but I think it was in his... Okay. Rory awoke to a scaled blue-black weight crushing him to the ground. His chest burned. For the last of his strength, he pounded as hard as he could on the side of the tail wrapped around his body. Uh, Etc. Get off, Joe. Uh, the sea dragon released him anyway. The dragon sat on me. Okay. What was the context for that? Uh, so they thought that Rory was so pissed that Edith was talking to Seth. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess it could have been outside. That, or maybe I know they're like kind of able to activate some of their abilities, you know, with, uh, you know, being like super strong and fast and shit. So maybe that's kind of a thing where they're able to uh, control how much of their beast is let out. And so he's like, let me get a little tail. Yeah, it's like half morph. But later they say Joe is like trying to find a space that was big enough for him to shift yeah. at some point. So mm. I don't know. This is not important. No, this book. it's not. But I think that it's important to talk about these things. It's what gets me going. Valid. This is what I'm here for. Anyway, Joe, Joe, the giant sea serpent is just fucking clearing brush out of the way so they can cut a fire break really fast. Yeah, his design is also just, like, a regular dragon, but, like, he's blue with webbed feet. feet. Yeah. 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 I thought that was really weird, too, because I was just... I thought he would be, like, a, more like a Chinese dragon. Yeah, like like a like a real serpent, because they yeah. say, like, serpentine body, but, like, he sounds like a traditional, like, what's it called? Like, European-style yeah. dragon. I would, I, yeah, I imagine him as more of a serpent, like an eel, a really yeah. big eel. I guess, then again, how would he move around on ground? <laughs> Flop. Well, exactly, which is why it threw me off, because I was like, why is he transforming into a sea dragon on land? Yeah, maybe maybe he has, like, a serpentine form, but he just has, like, two, like, four awkward little legs that he can scrabble around on. 
knows? We need answers. We'll have to read Wildfire Sea Dragon to find out. It's the next one. Yeah, so they go to evacuate the horses, and they realize that they don't really have time to do what they wanted to do, which is transport them with the trailer, because the trailer could only fit two horses, and they can't make five trips back and forth. They don't have the time to do that. So Candace remembers that Flash has like a calming effect on other animals. And so they use that in combination with Weiston being like Chad alpha unicorn to lead the horses to safety. So the plan is to take the two little baby Shetland ponies in the trailer since they like aren't, aren't fast enough as, as fast as the other ones. Cause they got tiny little legs and the other ones are essentially going to be like herded up, herded up together and they're going to just walk to the like safety point where they were going to put them anyway. Uh, so they do that and they start walking over and then, yeah, Flash starts freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that Candace ends up tranquilizing her and, you know, she, she tells Weiston, oh, cause, oh, I forgot the kiss, the tell the telepathy yeah. kiss or whatever. So they they have a really like intense kiss, and then all of a sudden, Candace can uh, hear hear him inside her head, and like typically, I think mates don't really get this power until they've like been mated. But Candace seems to have like to be especially sensitive for a for a human, so she's able to get this. Just from, like, spending a lot of time with him and kissing him. And she says, what the hell did you do? Give me some kind of mystic STD? (laughs) (laughs) So with that new ability, she tells Weiston that uh, Flash was trying to teleport out of the car, which was very weird. Um, And so she had to be sedated. And it, like, occurred to her, like, oh, I know why Flash was going berserk and tells Weiston to duck. And they are attacked by the nightmare. <gasps> oh. God. Also, real quick, when they're like going to transport the, they're talking about transporting the unicorns and how Weissen has a calming effect on them. On them, Weissen's like, like, oh, I don't know what what good I can be, and I don't have any powers. And Candace is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Look at how all these animals are staring at you in <laughs> rapt enjoyment. And she says, you are a unicorn, Candace repeated, punctuating each word by jabbing her finger into his chest. Now shift your ass. And it's like, ah. Oh. I have that marked as dreamy. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I love great. that she doesn't She doesn't take his self-pitying bullshit. Yeah. Thousand percent. They're so good, good for each other. They are. So yeah, they get attacked by the nightmare. Also, real quick. I had a steamy one as well, because Ooh. after they kiss and she oh. gets the telepathy, she decides to test what Weissen says about, like, don't worry, I can't hear all of your thoughts now. I can only hear what you directly send me. Deliberately, she brought to mind how fabulous his tongue had felt and how much other parts of her were now panting to receive more of him. <laughs> Since his pale skin didn't inflame instantly, it seemed he was telling the truth. There was no way Weston would have been able to maintain his composure if he could see what she was doing to him in her imagination. I found that steamy. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah, I agree. Anyway. It was good. It was a good kiss. Yeah, it was good a good stuff. kiss. I yeah. Can... There's several good kisses in this book. Yes, agreed. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing else. 
<laughs> when they get attacked by the nightmare. Yes. I have a Mimi thing oh, yeah. when they're getting attacked. <laughs> so basically, well, really fun, really fun uh, action sequence here. Um, he basically is like, grab Flash and, and get out of the, the car. We don't have time to get out of the truck. And so she basically hurls herself out of the, the truck and onto his back as he's in unicorn form, like just fucking yeets herself <laughs> onto that unicorn. And it says... Um, you know, he basically goes from standing still to a full gallop in an instant. Even so, he felt the nightmare's teeth snap shut just behind its fetlocks, so close it shaved an inch from his silky fur. <laughs> I don't know. That just that just got me. That just got me. <laughs> like, <laughs> just give him a little haircut on his feet. Just, just a little haircut. Just the just the ends. Yeah, <laughs> I just just like an inch off or something. Yeah. Just- <laughs> I think these demons yeah. should go into into uh, the hair business. There you go. Beauty industry. Cosmetology. Start a YouTube channel. Yeah. YouTubers. Yeah. <laughs> Brad Mondo. Brad Mondo, who? I only know Shadow Demon Creature from Wildfire Crew <laughs> books. <laughs> um, so Weissen decides to uh, run towards the wildfire because they've established that the demons are scared of fire. So he decides to run toward the wildfire to get the demon off of their back, essentially. Yeah, so he's riding with uh, Candace and Flash at this point, and they're kind of like, all right, the horses, will we'll get them later. They're not after, uh, the, the shadow creature thing isn't after the horses. We don't have to worry about them. It's like he wants, like, us. So, yeah, they run towards the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they get to a point where they can't actually escape the fire, so he actually has to whip out like his fire safety tent thing and they like dig a hole in the ground and they're like they have to wait for the fire to like pass over them, which how fucking terrifying is that? Oh my god, scary as hell. Like Okay. I have a couple mm. notes here. <laughs> One thing is I actually looked this up because I was like, is this a real thing? And it is. They they actually ha- and and firefighters. So this hits close to home. As a as a born and raised Californian who has had to evacuate from wildfires, um, this this really freaked me out. And it was really interesting to basically he has this like shelter that he's able to deploy that like completely surrounds them. And and like literally in like 2020, like you know, in the fire near me, they were using this to to keep from getting it was just so 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 fast that the firefighters like couldn't get away in time so they literally have to like deploy these things and like it's amazing that technology can do mm-hmm. that but it can like you know it's not perfect but i but i wrote i doubt that it would fit two people in a baby unicorn though because they're made for like one person <laughs> yeah maybe it's like a an extra large one we'll say that yeah yeah, yeah. just like the description of it too Holding the corners of the fire shelter, he dropped forward, arms spread wide. He covered Candace with his body. The fire... Oh, that's how they did it. He's laying on top of her. I guess, yeah. Uh, He covered Candace with his body, the fire shelter settling over both of them like a blanket. In the tiny, dark, airless space, he held her tight in his arms, in his mind, in his heart. And the wildfire enveloped them. And then it just cuts to later. And it's like... You can't do that to me. <laughs> I know. They cut to later and I was like so upset about it. I was like, give me this drama. Like this was good drama. I need resolution. Because this is this is Candace's PTSD. Like mm-hmm. she was burned. She has fire drama and they're literally being enveloped by wildfire, which he feels very shitty about later. He's like, I didn't even think about mm-hmm. that. But like, damn. 
But she's she's pretty cool about mm-hmm. it though. And she she does like accept that apology. She's like it it yeah. looks like a smart thing to do. Yeah, it was their only option yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, she's she's very shaken up after the whole thing, uh, and so she doesn't yeah. want to sleep alone. She asks him to stay with her, and so he does. Which oh. And where are they? What they do? They go back to the. Where do they go back to? Because they're back to the horses. They're at a. They're not at that stable. I think. I think they're at a different one. Okay. Because yeah, basically she's soothing herself by like grooming a horse. <laughs> I I do have a Mimi thing here. She she kind of calls him out that you 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 swore that you couldn't read my thoughts because he like picks up that she's like soothing herself by grooming the horse and he's like i can't not unless you show them to me but i do have eyes and she goes well he's partly equine horses were extremely sensitive to body language candace knew it was one of the reasons she liked working with them so much horses made you be calm and quiet and i was like lol her equine therapy boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) Uh. her horse therapy well your boyfriend (laughs) But yeah, so he he goes to the whatever with her to go to bed, and they're be well. She's being the inn is full. They have to sleep in the stable. Yeah, she's being horny at him, mm-hmm. and so she's basically saying like, you know, we could die tomorrow. Like we don't know what's gonna happen. So like, let's fuck. Uh, and he says, Candace, you know I can't do casual. To which she responds, I know, and I can't promise you forever. She shifted her hips, pressing against him, and he made a low, strangled sound of pure need. But damn it, there has to be something between a one-night stand and eternal devotion. Can we try to find it? Meet each other halfway? And he... The next paragraph I has marked as steamy. Yeah, you gotta read the next paragraph, girl. Okay. His hands filled up her thighs. She gasped as he gripped her hips, grinding her yearning core against his hardness. His mouth sought hers in the darkness. Tipping her head back, Candace gratefully surrendered to the wave of pleasure, letting go of everything else. Yes. I'm going to break this over my head. It's <laughs> um, so good. But then he's like, uh, Candace, so before we do anything, I got to tell you a little something. And then he pretty much tells her that it's uh, not fuck or die. It's fuck and die. <laughs> so she's like, I can't fuck you if it's going to kill you. He's like, oh, no, I'll be fine. But my unicorn will be dead. And she's like, what the fuck? That's like such a big part of you. I can't do that to you. So she's just very set on like not sleeping with him. But then they have like, it's, it's a very, very intimate moment here. Mm. I love this whole scene. All yeah. this. It's so, so good. fucking good. I was sending Claudia these excerpts. Just yeah, we like, gotta oh. go in depth in yes. this scene. Okay, so... I think I think we should read the whole like yeah this is important story here. So basically, you know, she says, you know, you were straight with me, so I need to be honest with you. I need to show you something. And so she starts undoing her shirt, and he sees the full extent of her scarring, where it's like not just her face and her neck; like it goes all the way down her torso at least. And so we get we get her backstory here. She was, like, in the foster care system. Which I believe makes her our, like, third or fourth foster care protagonist yeah. in this podcast. Someone's romanticizing things as a former social worker. I was 17, Candace said in a low voice. 17, and so, so dumb. I grew up in care homes, you see. Not good ones. I was so hungry, so desperate for any hint of real affection. And there was this guy. 
of course, the first guy who ever noticed me. Then Weston says, he did this to you? He's in jail, so you don't need to look quite so homicidal. The last thing I want is for you to end up, I don't need to read this. Let's see. So he asks her, why did you show me? She says, "You because you needed to see how bad the damage is on the outside. Her head was bowed, showing him only the delicate nape of her neck, so that you'll understand exactly what it means when I say that the damage on the inside is worse. You aren't damaged, Candace. How could this incredible, courageous woman think that she was broken? You're forged in fire, like the finest seal. She huffed, though it didn't sound entirely an annoyance. Shut up and listen. Like I said, there was a guy, a bit older than me. He was, oh, handsome and charming and all of that crap. He made me feel like I was in a fairy tale. I was just a stupid, naive kid. I believed everything he told me. What did he tell you? Oh, that he could give me everything I ever wanted, of course. I had this dumb dream. I wanted to have my own ranch where I could work with rescued horses and dogs and cats and goats. It was going to be a haven for all animals in need. I had it all planned out. I was going to go to school, get vet qualifications, work my way up until I could afford to buy my own place. And I had a secret stash of money that I'd been saving since I was seven, nearly enough for for my two years of tuition. You see where this is going now. I was stupid enough to show it to him. Can you believe? Because I wanted him to come with me when I finally got free of the care system. And he hugged me and said he wanted that too, and that he couldn't wait until I was 18. He said we should go right then and there, just sneak out of the home and run away together. Because, what an amazing coincidence, he had this elderly aunt in Montana who had a horse ranch. She was getting old and needed help and would definitely take us in. She'd probably even leave the whole place in her will when she died. And I believed him. I was that stupid. Well, the upshot is, I ran away with him. He took me to this crappy motel room and lit all these candles. He bought wilting gas station flowers and scattered the petals all over the bed as as if we were newlyweds. I had this sexy nightdress, all tacky lace and polyester. And when I put it on, he looked at me as if I were a goddess. I thought it was the most romantic thing in the world. And then I woke up in the middle of the night, a few of those candles still burning, and I saw him shoving all my cash into his backpack. He tried to tell me he had just been packing for the morning, but he had his coat and shoes on, and even I wasn't that stupid. I threw myself at him, screaming, fighting to grab my life savings back. He grabbed the desk lamp and brained me with it. I fell down, half unconscious, and as he bolted for the door, he knocked into the table and one of those oh-so-romantic candles fell down onto my cheap fire-hazard nightdress. The most horrifying thing is one of the most horrifying things to me. Later, a lot later, his lawyer argued that he hadn't seen me go up in flame, that if he had, he would have came b- come back and rescued me, of course. The jury was not impressed. I sincerely feel like he probably saw her catch fire and was like, well, that fixes that. Oh, 100%. 100%, yeah, because it was, as he was leaving, he knocked the desk lamp over or, uh, and knocked the candle. He would have heard her, like, screaming or something, mm-hmm. you know? Just, yeah. Jesus Christ. Terrifying. I'm amazed that only half of her body is covered in scars. Yeah. You know, inside baseball here, as a former, as, to use a Claudio term, uh, as a former social worker who's worked with a lot of teenage foster kids, this part really got me. Because, like, I have seen this. I mean, not this specifically, but I have seen, like, the 17-year-olds trying so desperately to be independent and escape the system attached to whatever guy will give them the time of day, and it's so fucking sad. Like, between that and her being so passionate about animals and, like, so in tune with animals and, like, wanting to open up a rescue, I also saw that constantly. Like, that is, those are both, like, such true-to-life things that it just, oof. Ooh, it got me. And I really, really felt for, 
for her in this moment. It, it's such a sad fucking story. It's, it's so like painful. To read. Yeah. I mean, there's like so much happening here. There's, I mean, him being older than her and her being a minor, he's grooming her mm. yeah. and stealing her money. And then she catches on fire and, you know, who who knows like it, uh, like who knows what happened with that money? I don't know how, with the, how the lawsuit thing worked, but like Jesus Christ, like that was everything she had been working for for like ten years. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so of course she's deeply, you know, emotionally scarred from this, and of course she doesn't want to be in relationships, and of course she doesn't trust anybody. It's all very. I mean, it's it's good. Yeah, it's good writing. And she says so herself here. I learned a really valuable life lesson about trusting people, especially perfect romantic men who say they want to sweep me off my feet and fix everything. The Thunderbird shows up and they figure out after a minute that they the they the Thunderbird wants them to follow it. Specifically though, Cam right. just figures it out because she's able to read its like flight patterns and shit, which yeah. is like just Oh, that's right. I love mm-hmm. our smart oh. queen. I love her. She already brings something to the team besides uh-huh. her, her, her pussy. <laughs> can't, couldn't be me. <laughs> I can't even bring that. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <clears throat> to April 2025. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they follow the, the Thunderbird. All right, so they follow it. Oh. <laughs> um, they they follow it. Candace is struggling because the rest of them, especially Edith, who like trains eighteen hours a day or whatever, <laughs> has no problem. Even though she's not a shifter, they're all just like hiking through the undergrowth, no problem. And you know, poor Candace, who I'm sure is in great shape, but like you know, does not routinely hike through forests. Can I just say I um, is struggling. I love that part where they like go out of their way to mention that Edith just fucking. Yeah. Is has insane stamina from like all this training yeah. she does, and it like puts everyone else to yeah. shame despite them being shifters. Edith was still bright eyed and bouncy, of course, as fresh as when they'd started out. Although she didn't have shifter strength, her hard trained stamina always put the rest of them to shame. Love that, so good. I love but that. The Thunderbird leads them to like this foresty area, and they're like following this path, and all of a sudden, Rory, who's leading the group, just like bears left or something, just makes a very sharp turn. And he's like, oh, shit, I lost the trail. And Wyson's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, the trail's right here. You just go straight. It's right there. And Rory's like, what are you talking about? And Wyson's like, "Are you, what's going on? Uh, and he goes through. And all this time during this hike, he's felt, like, strangely at peace. Like, a, just very calm. And he doesn't quite know why. Uh, and Flash has been acting really, like, skittish and yes. weird. Wyson follows this trail that everyone else is like unable to see slash is turned away from and he apparently disappears and his squad flips the fuck out they like, do they lose their entire goddamn minds they're like oh my god where is he is he okay and Candace can like see him like she sees where he's gone and she can hear him and he she's like he's right there and they're like oh my god you can feel him down your mate bond rory pounced on her seizing her shoulders weissen had never seen the griffin shifter look so shaken is he okay where is he and he's just like i'm right here everyone calm down and he like steps back to where he was and they all just like envelop him in a giant hug and they're all so worried and i just like i wrote like oh my god they love each other it was so so good they do they were so so aggressively worried about him it was so freaking cute (laughs) 
like instantly. Um, but basically what they figure out is there's like a magic barrier that like Weissen can pass through and the rest of them can't. Yeah. And so, you know, he... and Candace can also pass through. Yeah. So he says, can you feel mm-hmm. that? Evidently there's some kind of magical barrier concealing this part of the forest. Magic, Candace muttered. I'll have to take your word for it. I can, I can't tell that there is anything here. Is this, a, is this a shifter thing? Like, do you have whole towns hidden away? Some of us have ways of protecting our territories. He frowned at the invisible barrier. There's something a little like this around my own ancestral lands, in fact, but our one doesn't stop people from seeing through it. Huh. Candace shot him a sharp look. Wait, what do you mean, ancestral lands? Uh, long story. This did not seem like the time to mention that he was technically heir to an earldom. Yeah, I my brain skimmed over that bit the first time. So at the end where he mentions like owning large parts of England, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what a bomb to drop at the end. Yeah, I mean, it's still a bomb to drop here, but like. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking weird. But anyway, they pass through this barrier along with Flash and they just fucking see some unicorns like walking towards them. So, yes, there are just wild unicorns. They're, they're very clearly unnerved by them being there because they're not supposed to be able to pass through these barriers. But Weissen shows them. He's like, hey, I'm like you. And he transforms into a unicorn who's apparently like 80 times the size of a regular unicorn. He's a Chad. <laughs> and um, one of the adult unicorns, uh, Stallion, is like, oh, my God, and comes over to them freaking out. And Candace is like, ah, like grabbing Flash. But they realize, oh, my God, wait, that's that's Flash's dad. Like, I thought it was so cute. Candace didn't need telepathy to interpret the clear outburst of relief and concern. Are you hurt? Are you hungry? Where have you been? We've been worried sick. Also, I found it very funny. Um, if this Flash's family, why doesn't she look pleased to see them? Because she ran away from home. Weston put a hand on her shoulder in reassurance, dipping his head to address Flash. Everyone's been worried about you, little one. I promise you aren't in trouble. Please go to your father. Flash blew out her breath, sounding an awful lot like a sulky teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys enjoy all the Flash in the book? Yeah, Flash has a lot of personality. Flash is fun. I like her. She does. I think it's coming up. We get a Flash chapter. Yeah, the next chapter is the Flash chapter. Yeah. But yeah, so real mm-hmm. quick, what's going on is uh, Flash ran away because, uh, let's see. So Moth is like the, what, what do they call her? What's her like official title? The lead mayor. Yeah, she she's the HBIC. Yeah, HBIC shows up and like, uh, can we address how she speaks English? <laughs> yeah, no one else speaks English, but she speaks she English. She says that she explores the dreams of humans, and so that's how. She, and so mm. she's like absorbed language. This is what I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. My girl actually watched a lot of Game of Thrones or something because she speaks <laughs> very like fantasy world. It is not a gift I relish, but it has helped me to protect my herd. I send my mind out to cloud the perceptions of any who approach so that they turn aside even before they reach our border. Like, she ain't been in my dreams. My dreams ain't like that. <laughs> she only goes with the dreams of, like, LARPers and, like, <laughs> LARPers and horse girls. <laughs> she's been reading some fanfic, and she's been, like, watching D&D parties. Yeah. She saw Blade Runner once, and she was like, oh, I can show up in people's dreams. <laughs> we get a lot of unicorn lore. Yeah, it's a lot. Basically, there was a there was a type of unicorn that could do a special, like, guarding power. Like, they set up the wards around this area that the unicorns inhabit. But they, they don't 
live here anymore. I, they don't really establish what happened to them. Uh, but the other thing is that Flash ran away from home because because Sunrise, Flash's mother, uh, left for some reason. What was the reason? She went to go find Oh, yeah, Anderson. so the, the land that they're currently on, because uh, unicorns are per moth, the uh, matriarch unicorn, uh, you know, they're not allowed to leave these protected lands. Uh, but Flash's mother wanted to leave because she said, well, she said they needed to leave because there's like some kind of thing that's like infecting the land. So trees are dying or there aren't any leaves. And, you know, if this continues to spread, the unicorns aren't going to be able to survive. So Flash's mom it's like went a Moana. Out. It's like a Moana situation. I knew I had seen this somewhere before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a Moana situation. And so she goes, <laughs> uh, she leaves the barrier to, to find, you know, either like, help or like a new land to move to. I don't know if we ever like really know, but she just. We never really get to hear it from sun, sunrise. We just know that she just knows that they need to get out. Moth is real pissed about it because Moth is like, no, we have to do things the way they've always been done. We can't leave our special sacred land. It's fine. I don't it, just, you know, bury your head in the sand. Everything will be okay. Yeah, we've all read this story. Yeah. Don't worry um, about it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Lead Mare is like, don't worry about it, dude. <laughs> yeah, so when they're talking to Zia, there's like a whole bunch, there's like a very long bit of this chapter that is Moth being like, Sunrise broke the law, and I grieve for her, but what's done is done, we cannot help her. And Weissen and Candace are like, yeah, you can, like, you can help her, like, the um, Flash's dad, whose name is Petricor. Cool name. Very Dr. Hugh, who season, yeah. nah, I don't remember. Um is like you can help her or, you know we've seen this before a true mate can can unpossess you know your mate repossess <laughs> repossess <laughs> yeah and i have a note here where it says uh petricor like lash you know um he kind of is like gearing up against moth like he's kind of like once he finds this out he's like well fuck that i'm going to go find my mate but she um and he holds his ground against her but the lead mare shrieked in outrage, rearing to lash out at Petricor with hooves and a horn. For a second, Candace thought that the stallion would fight, but it seemed his equine instinct to submit to female authority was too strong. And I wrote, bro, am I a horse? <laughs> <laughs> Moth? Real cunty. Can I say that? She's real cunty. <laughs> real cunty. 100 put 100 P. That was one of my notes. <laughs> yeah. Sea biscuit, more like sea word biscuit. Hey, got him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's yeah. She her whole thing is essentially yo fuck sunrise. Like I, she shouldn't have left, but she did. She's uh, dead to me. So yeah, she can get fucked. And they they argue about this for like a fucking ever, and then suddenly they're like, wait a second, where's Flash? Yeah. Flash is gone. And then we get the next chapter. From then we Flash. get a Flash chapter. Yes, I loved seeing this from Flash's point of view. But Flash knows that like the shadow creature thing fears her because it, it knows that the connection between her and her mother is strong enough that she could. Uh, like, like break the spell possession thing. Yeah, and so 
I, I got to talk about some of the, the fun things we learned from Flash's perspective. Yes, especially their names. Yeah, she calls Weiss and Candace Strong Guard and Brightheart. Uh, Strong Guard is surprisingly Weiston. I thought that he would be Brightheart. Very cute. Yeah. But uh, she also describes him as um, uh, the biggest, boldest, toughest stallion ever. ever. <laughs> Very like, my dad can beat up your dad energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know, um, do you know that, uh, like, Disney World commercial that, that's like, <laughs> Goofy could beat up dad? No. Goofy is huge. I know he's only this big on TV. But in real life, Goofy could beat up Dad. Wow, incredible. <laughs> uh, what else did you want to say about Flash's chapter here? Oh, yeah. She also calls Weissen out for being a simp. <laughs> the stallions had to obey the lead mare. That was just the way things were. Even Strongheart, the biggest, boldest, toughest stallion ever, followed Brightheart without hesitation. <laughs> <laughs> if only Brightheart had hooves and a horn, then she could have knocked Snapping Turtle Moth off her high rock. Crash. Flash feels, like, so alone in all this, which is very sad. Yeah. Yeah. No one's listening to her. She's smart. Yeah. Exactly. And so she, um, she actually comes across the nightmare, and- Her mom. She's like, yeah, she's like, yay, it's mom. Like, mom, it's me. Mama. And- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then she gets- she gets a weird feeling- Flash was getting a not nice feeling in her stomach, like the time she'd eaten all the blackberries. All the blackberries. All of them. This girl ate all the blackberries? <laughs> Every single blackberry oh. on earth. Holy shit. That's going to hurt her tummy. That's why I can't find them at the grocery store. <laughs> we actually got some at the farmer's market. Aw. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> then Weiss and Candace like, burst onto the scene and stand between uh, the Nightmare and Flash and Candace jumps off of Weiston and pulls out, like, a dart gun and tranquilizes the Nightmare, which honestly slaps. I like that horse tranquilizers work on this thing right? still. <laughs> yep. Now, this just in, horse tranquilizers work on demons. Try that next time, Shane and Ryan. Who knew? <laughs> well, so they catch the Nightmare, and they bring it to the barrier, and they're like, hey, like, let either let Petricor out to break this possession thing over his mate or let us bring her in. And Moth being real cunty about it is like, mm, I don't know. Uh, but ultimately yeah. they, well, they see the Thunderbird kind of looming overhead and uh, well, she's like, Oh, well the Thunderbird can't do anything to us. So we don't care. I wrote a couple things about, about Moth's dialogue here where she says, our sacred traditions keep us safe, Moth's horn lit with her anger. Our young cults and fillies are already beginning to harbor dangerous thoughts thanks to Flash's transgressions. To which I wrote, both of those things I wrote, Moth listens to QAnon podcasts and MAGA. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. I was going to say it's just footloose, but with horses. Later she gets real eugenicy. Eugenicity. You'll see. Look, I have a yeah, name. she does. She sure I didn't does. Think of it that way. Uh, moth sucks. She kind of does, though. Yeah, fuck yeah. moth. Yeah, they bring the nightmare past the barrier, and so moth is like, "All right, you know what? I'll I'll figure out what to do. Well, I'll think about it." So she calls 
some unicorns over and they have their little like telekinesis abilities and take Moth to, not Moth, they, they take the nightmare off somewhere safe because uh, Moth has the ability to kind of keep her asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so gonna, the, the plan is to keep her sleeping until Moth decides what the, what the course of action is going to be. She says to come back tomorrow at dawn, something like that. So now they're just playing the waiting game. So everyone returns to camp. Wait, 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 hang on. Importantly, this is an important little little plot point here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where she's like, they're talking about the different abilities of the unicorns and of the different uh, shifters. And Weissen is saying like, you know, this, you know, I've never heard of these other unicorn abilities before. My families are the only unicorn shifters. As far as I know, we're all descended from a common ancestor. We're all from the same bloodline. So we're all healers, which like really gets Moth's attention. She's like, you're a healer. We only had Sunrise, Flash's mom, who's currently a demon, was one of our healers. And uh, she says, I wished her to mate another healer to ensure the bloodline continued. But she chose Petrichor instead. That is why Flash is a sport, a wild talent. Such things occur when the bloodlines are not carefully managed. I thought, you are certain your own bloodline is pure? And I was like, yikes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and yeah. Candace agrees because she says, okay, lady, stop eyeing him up like he's a prize bull. I don't care how much you want more healers. Some things are not going to happen. <laughs> Let's go, Weiston. Weiston is submissive and but- readable. <laughs> <laughs> but important kind of info about the blue lines there yeah like the the eye color also denotes um like powers i guess but yeah so now they're playing the waiting game uh joe announces that he's found a stream so they can like bathe and shit they haven't done that in a long time yeah and so the group kind of splits up we have we have the queer moment here. Oh, give me the queer moment. Yes. Did I hallucinate this? <laughs> Did I hallucinate this gay moment? I... What am I thinking of? I just... <laughs> okay, I had a fever dream. I had a fever dream fanfic idea. I guess I thought that Blaze like was really ex- Blaze was really excited about the the stream and offers her soap to Candace and wants Candace to come with her until she realizes, oh wait, you and Weiston should actually go with her. But I remember a lot more Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. Candace, yeah, no, Blaze says like, hey, Candace, like, let's go. Like, oh wait, no, you probably want to stay with Weiston. And Candace is like, no, I'd rather go with you. So they go out to the stream and. Yeah, because basically those who aren't about to bathe are sleeping. So namely, it's... Fuck, what's his name? Callum? Callum, yeah. So namely, Callum's asleep. Uh, Fenrir's asleep. And then everyone else is off fucking if they're Rory and Edith. Uh, or, or or bathing if they're everyone else. And yeah. Candace says, you know what? I think I am going to go with Wysen. And Blaze is like, oh, thank goodness. Like, I was going to... I thought I was going to have to convince you. But Candace is actually seeing this as an opportunity to leave because with Callum, who senses like people and animals and stuff around with him being asleep and everyone else off doing their own thing, this is her best chance at getting away because right now she can only think about how if things progress with Weiston, she's going to kill his unicorn. 
Meanwhile, on the other side of the stream, we have Joe and Weiston having a, a little bro time. And little heart to heart. It's so cute. Cause I mean It's really sweet. I love Joe. Joe basically is like, I'm gonna fucking make you talk about this and you and Candace. And Joe's and Weston's like, I would really rather talk about literally anything else. And Joe's like, No, you, my horny friend, are in serious need of advice. <laughs> horny friend. And then Weston is kind of an asshole about Joe. Did y'all did y'all see this? Yeah. Yeah, I did say He slut shames him. Weston kind of says some shit. Yeah, he kind of slut shames him. He kind of says some shit about, like, you know, you've never had a relationship that's lasted longer than 12 hours. You, you know, you don't have a lot of, uh, you're not an expert about persuading a woman to say yes to a lifelong commitment. And Joe's like, bitch, every single one of my relationships has lasted exactly long as I intended. And more importantly, exactly as long as the lady wanted. I have a 100% success rate of unbroken hearts. Amazing. I love him. And Weissen also says, like, you know, you're that's rich coming from a man who rarely has a thought that originates above his belt, which low blow. Literally. Yeah, literally. Uh, and Joe's sea blue eyes flashed. Weissen had never seen him genuinely angry before. You think I can't understand you? You think I don't know what it's like to have impossibly awesome parents? My mother is the Pearl Empress. You think you're the only person who wrestles with the guilt and pain of being a disappointment? At least you don't have to do it in public with an entire council of courtiers and politicians just waiting for you to finally screw up permanently. You think I like having half the entire population of sea shifters whispering about me behind my back and the other half sneering at me to my face? If you think I can't understand you, Weiston, then you don't know me. You don't know me at all. Which, like, lore, first of all. Lore. And secondly, like, damn, a side of Joe that's not a goofball. Mm, hey, you know what? We have layers, okay? Layers, donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and Weissen apologizes. And oh, Joe pushes him into the stream, very importantly. And Weissen apologizes. And they have a, a nice conversation. And, you know, Joe says more like, listen, I give them what they need, not what they want, but what they need. And Weissen's like, oh. Because Weissen starts going on about how he thinks he should he'll be able to heal Candace's scars. And it's like, bitch, no. Yeah. Here's the thing. It didn't even occur to me that Winston, that uh, <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that Weston might be thinking this until he brought it up here. I, I have it all caps. Be, you are dumb. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's being an idiot. You know, that was the first thing I thought of when they mentioned her scars and his healing ability. I'm like, they're going to, he's going to like, you know, have to quote unquote heal her. I I was like, I didn't even think about that in the beginning because of how well Edith's autism was handled in the last book. Mm -hmm. I I didn't it didn't even occur to me that it could go this way up until this point. Ah. And like, spoilers, it doesn't fully go there. Yeah. But, but oh like, boy, does Weiston try. But by the end of this conversation, you really think that Weissen gets it. Like, like Joe's basically like, that's stupid. Like, is is that what Candace needs? And Weissen's like, oh, shit. Like, I have to find Candace right now. Like, you know, like, you, we, it appears that it clicks for him. And he realizes, like, he needs to ask her what she needs and not, you know, that's, that's, and I think this is the part where Joe says that her scars make her look badass. Yeah. Yeah. We also get a little bit of, like, Joe, uh, what do you call it? Seeds planted. Like, uh, oh, yeah. foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of Joe in this book. Yeah. 
Because he's the next book. Because we got a live Weinstein in the last book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that they do that. Yeah. So Weiston uh, is looking for Candace and finds her trying to run away. And she's like, oh, fuck, like, this was hard enough as it is. Now I have to, like, explain to him, you know, what is happening. Uh, And I love this, like, confrontation, I guess. I, I got some stuff to talk about with this, first of all. First of all, Candace is planning on running away at yeah. this point. Annoying. She says that, oh, like, I'm going to, like, instead go off and, and be with Weiston instead. And Blaze is like, good, I don't have to force you then. Which, first of all, I could have had a homoerotic bath scene, but Zoe doesn't want to give that to me. Literally. Nope. For real. Like, can a girl have one thing? No. Zoe? No. <laughs> You don't let me see Weissen's dick in this end? <laughs> yeah! And no homoerotic bath scene? Uh, How dare you. Oh, also, I my note here for um, when she's like talking about uh, how she's going to leave Weissen, she, she isn't going to destroy Weissen, even if it means breaking his heart. And my caption was all caps, no, with a frowny face. <laughs> I was yeah. I was invested in this relationship, to be honest. Just talk to each other. Yeah. The thing that bothers me about this, because this is the second time in this book that a character has just gone, like, and this, this happens constantly. It happens again later. Okay, this, these books have a fucking issue with the characters being like, I have to dramatically leave without telling anyone, or like, you know, I have to make a decision on my own to leave because like my mate doesn't get it and like they're, they're like being dumb or whatever, like I need to protect them or whatever stupid reason. They go off and then about 30 seconds later, it's like resolved and they come back and I'm just like, can we stop? Yeah. Like, I know you're trying to create drama and tension, but they literally always resolve it a chapter later. <laughs> Yeah. It happens in every single book. And I'm just like, because it happened with even Fliss Flash, too. Mm-hmm. Like, she goes off on her own a chapter. During that same chapter, she's reunited with everybody. And then Candace does it twice. At least there was a point there, because they found the nightmare and tranquilized <laughs> That's it. That's true. So, yeah, Nicole, tell us about this confrontation. Oh, I love this whole scene. And so he finally asks her, like, what do you want? And she says, to be a different person. No, that's what you think I need, and it's not. Try again. She says, I want you. He says, good, because I want you too, desperately. And what do you need? I need... She hesitated, searching her own heart. I need to take this one day at a time, Weiston. He was holding very still, as though she was a wild animal who might run away if he made the slightest motion. I can do that. No, you can't, she said bleakly. You told me yourself. You need someone who can promise you forever. I'm never going to be able to do that. I can't, Candace. He laid his thumb across her mouth, silencing her protests. That's all forever is. One day at a time, one after another. Every day, choosing to stay. One day at a time. But that's not how it works for you, she said, lips brushing against his warm skin. Just that light friction made her tremble with desire. That's not the kind of love you need. He traced the shape of her mouth and her knees buckled. That's the only kind there is. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. I love that. <sighs> like. It's so that good. Just hits, that just hits. Like that, that like, 
that her with her trust issues being like, I'm not going to be enough for you. I can't give you what you need. I can't give you the kind of love you need. And he's like, no, girl, you're yeah, doing I it. Like it. You don't need to do anything else. It's just this one moment. Like, I don't time. need whatever you think I need. I just need you. I'm going to throw up. It's so good. Because so good. she's also not considering <laughs> what he actually needs. This is the best scene. So he kissed her unhurriedly, but with utter confidence, savoring and lingering as if they had all the time in the world, as if they had all eternity. So she says, wait. So things are getting hot now. Mm-hmm. And she says, wait. We can't. He pins her up against a tree. Mm. Wait, we can't. Stay with me. Wasting's hips pressed against hers. He kissed down her neck, open mouthed and fierce, over scars and skin alike. Be with me. Not forever. Now. One day at a time. One breath at a time. Just choose me with every beat of your heart as I choose you. That's enough. That's everything. Oh, Candace, my mate, Candace. One breath at a time. She let go of all her fears letting them fly away like lost balloons. She didn't need to worry about forever. She could love him now, completely with all her soul. And that was enough. So good. So good. And then they have the shortest sex scene in the history of the universe. (laughs) Literally like three paragraphs. And we don't even get to see Peen. Yeah. You don't even get to see Peen. I really wish we'd gotten to see Peen. I do have a steamy highlight where, okay, basically they're like making out there. He's, you know, she couldn't tell what was her idea or his, who led and who followed his pleasure from hers. It all blurred into one mounting wave of ecstasy. Both of them swept up together one. And this is the part I think is steamy. He only paused once for one moment, though her body trembled around his, though his breath came harsh and ragged, though she dug her heels into the back of his thighs to urge him on. He held himself back right at the brink. His eyes sought hers. Now, he whispered. Yes. She pulled him in, welcoming him, claiming him for her own, for this breath and the next and the next. Now. It's so good. And also, y'all just have an unprotected sex out here in the woods making babies? (laughs) They all seem to do that. I I have to assume that these women are either very lucky or on birth control. I feel like Candace was probably on birth control. But they never talk about it. Yeah, but also, like, it is also, like, it's a fantasy thing. And some people are, like, oh, stopping to, like, or to, to discuss birth control isn't sexy or whatever. I think it is, personally. Nicole, we discussed this one time. Yes. Like, is stopping to if talk. If it takes yeah. you out of it. Yeah, the only time that it has taken me out of it is when, for some reason, this one fic was like, let me put on, like, surgical glove to finger my girlfriend. And it's like, that's too much. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's a little bit. There is safe sex, and then there okay, is what you are Okay, her pH balance doing. is way off. It's, like, super acidic. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the only time... That I'm gonna get my fingers are gonna get dyed. <laughs> no. The only time that you should be maybe wearing a glove to finger someone is if you are perhaps alphaba. Uh, <laughs> you should do it if you do any rope play because the rope fibers will be on your fingers and you don't want to get those in the vagoo. Oh, so really? you gotta put the glove on. Yep, I wrote a scene oh, that wow. included that. <laughs> well, now we know. I write porn. <laughs> I did not know that, and that is relevant to my life, so I should know that. <laughs> I do my research for porn. Great. Um, okay, but I want 
I just want to say that what I just read, that's the extent of the sex yeah. that we get. Then it cuts to black. We are on to the next chapter and I am mad for the rest yeah. of the book. Also, real quick. So get ready for my all caps notes. I gotta say, I really enjoyed that Candace expected him to be like, to be like very hesitant and dainty and like a, a very timid lover. But no, Weissen is going to fuck you. Yeah, he like, is. Make no fucking mistakes. Yeah, about I love it. that. And a mounter, like a fucking. <laughs> He's been waiting for like twenty-seven years, or however old he is. <laughs> this is what no pussy does to a motherfucker. <laughs> Man's is repressed. But that's why. That's why him. But that's why him hesitating and being like now yeah. is so hot. It is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then we get some bullshit chapter. <laughs> I'm so mad about the rest of this thing. Yeah, this is fucking, this is where it takes like a weird turn that I'm just kind of like, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, but he has, Weissin like has it. like this dream and Moth shows up and in the dream he's like able to heal and she's like, remember that feeling. So he like wakes up and he's like, oh, I, I can heal now because I've, I've fucked finally, Jesus Christ. I've lost my V card. <laughs> Turns out the V card was holding him back. It's true. <laughs> and also, he hasn't lost his unicorn. Yeah. He's like, Candace, I can feel my unicorn. And she's like, oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I was too busy getting fucked. <laughs> um, oh, but she has a, there's a very relevant moment here, too, where she thinks that. And she's like, but he, but he said he wasn't afraid. She couldn't help feeling a little betrayed. She trusted him. He'd seemed so sincere when he reassured her that her love would be enough. Which, like, Candace go to therapy, but also, <laughs> I get where she's coming from. You can still, like, be afraid of it, even if you trust it. Yeah. Like, there are times where, like... That's true, yeah. Uh, I, where is a non-stupid answer for this? Or a non, non-like, sad thing for this? Like, you can trust that... You can trust to know that roller coasters are very, like, innately designed so that you will not die. Unless you are, of course, going to Action Park in New Jersey. But apart from that... You, <laughs> you mean Class Action Park. Yeah, Class uh. Action Park. But apart from that, you can know that, but still be fucking terrified. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Which, like, she does kind of, like... She has that, like, very, un- like, relatable sort of stab of trauma. And then she's like, okay, but, like... Yeah. Whatever. That's it's fine. But then he goes and just oh, fucks it all he, up. He just fucks it all. He just puts his foot in it and then keeps putting his foot in it. And I'm so mad. He fucks up he so does. bad. And so he's like, "Don't worry, I can like fix things now." And he like, yeah. And so he like touches her, and you know, I can fix everything. And so I love this feeling here. Light wrapped her. She was bathed in love, cradled in protective strength. She closed her eyes, but tears leaked out anyway as some frozen part of her heart melted in that gentle warmth. A part of her that had always been tense and on guard, ready for attack, finally sighed and relaxed. And then he's like, oh, fuck, it didn't work. Because he... If he had said nothing here, he would have been the best boyfriend ever. But no, instead he sees... Yeah. Like, why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? I'm supposed to be able to heal you now. Why can't I heal you? A fucking And I wrote, you are an idiot. His words (laughs) echoed through her like a thunderclap. For a second, she could only stare at him, breathless with betrayal. Uh, Yeah, understandably. How fucking mad would you be? I'd be fucking furious. Oh, I would be livid. I'd I'd probably hit him. He could take it. He's a fucking... Scorched earth. 
sweet creature. Scorched world. I hit him. It's it's bad. And then he reacts to it so badly too, because she's like, she's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, and I'm like, before that even happens, before he says that, you know, when he's he's touching her with his horn, she right, you know, she says she was loved, she was cherished for the first time in her life. She knew that she was perfectly safe, and I was like, hello, Weissen, feel her feelings, feel the fucking mapeon, know that she feels that way. And instead, he's like, no, and he's like super dismayed, and she feels it, and she's like, what the. and you know like what the fuck dude and so that like fucks everything up i think that he couldn't feel those feelings because of what he was doing to her like spoilers i think that that his like shield power is what he was actually doing to her here and like her body was like letting her relax for the first time in like her life and i like that and I think, you know, because we established later that Weissen apparently just has a shield around him at all times and he can cut off his end of the mate bond. I think that he was unintentionally cutting off her end. Mm-hmm. That's why they can have unprotected sex. There we go. <laughs> He's always wearing a barrier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's a <Wow>. giant condom. <laughs> if if anyone can be described as a giant condom of a man, it is Weissen. It is time for <laughs> me nicole to make a twilight reference because the shield thing is essentially bella's power as a Yay. vampire so Great. this is just it twilight is. This, this is twilight oh man love that so anyway candace gets super fucking pissed off yeah here here's what i want to talk about with it where they have they have a big fight about it and um he says like I wanted to try and like make your life easier because I know you, you have told me that like every time you look in the mirror, you are reminded of that trauma. I wanted to like help take that from you. And I do understand where he's coming from, but it is still shitty. Mm-hmm. And Candace takes it yeah. over the top. In my opinion, I understand she's reacting from a very triggered place and a very understandable place. But also she says, he says, you said to yourself that they reminded you of your past. She takes it way over the top. Yeah, they do. Finishing getting dressed, she swung around to confront him head on. And I clearly should have looked in the mirror more. Maybe then I wouldn't have been so dumb as to fall for another smooth-talking liar. And you know what, Myston? You're worse than him. At least he just tried to rip me off, not rip me apart. And it's like, I don't know if I would be able to forgive that. To be Bitch, honest. he... <laughs> I'm on Candace's side here. <laughs> I, I understand. I'm on both of their sides here. I think that they're both royally fucking this up. Oh, I true. think maybe they could have had a conversation <laughs> yeah. and she could have been like, you've deeply hurt me today without being like, you are worse than the man who set me on yeah. fire. Yeah, I was like, I'm like... <laughs> I mean, like, fair. Bitch, he burned literally half of your body. I don't okay. think Weston's that bad. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but hang on. Backing up a second here's where i and i sent you this claudia mm-hmm. here's where he really fucked up is when he was like she was like i can fucking feel how you feel through the mape on i know don't lie to me i know that you're exactly what you're feeling i know you're super disappointed he shuts down he does the like shielding thing he shuts down his grief behind this unpenetrable mask he cuts off his feelings from her the mate bond went numb as though he'd retreated behind an icy wall. He picked up his discarded clothes, starting to get dressed. When he spoke again, his voice was back under control, all reserved courtesy. I'm sorry for losing control and upsetting you. I was just a bit disappointed. And it's like, don't fucking lie, dude. Don't fucking lie, dude. We know. <laughs> Weiston's got his customer service voice out. 
His his voice <laughs> shoots up like five octaves. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> yeah, and like where she's coming from, that is like even worse. Mm. Like that is like a fucking betrayal on a major scale. Because like she, what has helped her be open to him is his unwavering yeah. honesty and like just putting everything out there for her. And so like going back on that and like being like, oh, I'm I'm you know, which I, and I understand his response to because he's like, oh, I fucked up. So he's like trying to like do damage control, but it's like, no, dude, it's too late. You need to be fucking honest about what's going on, not go all English about it. And <laughs> like, so- I'm so sorry to England for <laughs> all the bashing. Anyway, yeah, it's a fucking mess. And they like, you know, go back to camp and it is, everyone is like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, everyone can feel that something is wrong. Also, Weissen has a golden spiral on his horn now, and I still don't understand what that means. Does that mean you have fucked? Is that why some of the unicorns in the pasture <laughs> yeah. have it and some don't? Is that the it? The ones who have found it, their mate, probably, because I think they mentioned that Petrichor has one too, right? Or I, I, I could be true. Okay, so is it just male unicorns who, has found, who have found their mate, perhaps? Maybe. Could be. I might. I might be I think misremembering that. I knew. I know somebody else had it, but yeah, I know Petrichor does. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, it's I'm pretty sure it's because they fucked that. That's, I'm gonna say yeah. yes. Imagine that you are like a young, a young dude unicorn, and your friends are like, "Oh man, have you have you fucked yet?" And you're like, "Yeah, I, I definitely have." But your horn is just white <laughs> as white as a lily. <laughs> I was going to say, like, imagine, I thought you were going to go the human route. Like, imagine being a human and, like, something labeling you as a virgin or not a virgin. And then my brain just went to scarlet letter. And so we've done that already. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, did did you guys not get your no longer a virgin tattoo when that happened? Mine just appeared. They revoke your Yu-Gi-Oh card. I I got, I got, this is my no longer a virgin tattoo. (laughs) You're fucking new, Gina. (laughs) What, what is it my, called? My, my curse mark from Naruto. Yeah, your curse mark. <laughs> That's my no longer a virgin card, baby. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, everyone's like, wow, uh, something went really wrong between them. and It's really awkward. And, and sweet Edith, in her typically yeah. endearingly direct manner, had started to ask him what was wrong, only to be gently drawn away by Rory. Give them space. They need to work this out on their own like we did. You did not have the same problem, They'll be okay. Sir. They're true mates. They'll get through this. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is a lot worse. Way worse. God. Uh, at least Weissen knows how bad he fucked up. He's yeah. like, he'd hurt Candace, betrayed her utterly. How could he ask her to forgive him what he'd, when he'd never forgive himself? He'd hurt his mate. At least he's not, what What did I do? Yeah, oh, he knows he fucked up. Yeah, thank God. But right now, their main focus is on Flash's mom. So they go back mm-hmm. to the barrier or whatever, and Moth says, okay, I've decided to help Sunrise. We're going to get Petrichor to, you know, break that bond or whatever. Uh, but y'all, your friends can't come in here because that's not allowed. Uh, so you can come in here. Uh, your mate has to take flash far away because flash. flash could potentially get in the way of this whole whole operation they're gonna do mm-hmm. and also your mate's only human do you really want her to be nearby when yeah. we release the demon your mate's a little bitch baby <laughs> she'll be a danger to which i wrote in all caps 
why are you letting her manipulate yeah, you? Yeah, it really yeah. felt like a trap the whole time. For sure. And I couldn't figure out, like, what yeah. the trap was. Candace knew. Yeah. I couldn't figure out what, what her plan was, but it felt like, like, is the demon secretly possessing her right now? Somehow? But no, what we find out after they go into, like, the deepest parts of the Unicorn Sanctuary, where there are all these, like, this ring of dead trees is that I believe the demons come from here. At least they're emerging yeah. there. Yeah, it is at least a spot where demons are coming from. And she Moth has made a deal with these demons that she will, like, give them, like, unicorns and in exchange for them leaving her the rest of her people alone. And so she knocks Weiston out. Which, like, uh-huh, yeah. sure, girl. She knocks Weissen out, and Weissen comes <laughs> to... Deals with demons. Yeah. Wait, hang on, just to back mm-hmm. it up a second, I just wanted to bring it back to Candace totally not believing this for a fucking mm-hmm. second. Oh, yeah. and, and Candace is like, Weissen, I smell bullshit or unicorn shit. This is con- too convenient. And I was and I was like, listen to your mate, you yeah. idiot. Um, but he's too, like, busy. He's like, if there's a chance that Moth can unlock my healing ability, I have to take it, especially if she can do it before we fight the demon, because that's what he thinks is, like, going yeah. on. So, again, his, like, insecurities yeah, is getting like, in the way. Yeah, it's like, damn bitch, you look desperate. And he literally said, "Yeah, Candace didn't need to be burdened with his weaknesses, to which I said, you have learned nothing. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Moth has been honest with us, Candace. I know you find it dis- difficult to trust anyone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that is where he put it too far. To which I wrote, divorce. <laughs> I was like, divorce. <laughs> Absolutely not. Scorched planet. And can't that, and that, like, because Candace was really trying to convince him. And then she was like, fuck you, I guess. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you did not just go there. So, understandably. But he's like, oh, good for her to be away and safe then you know here and in mm-hmm. danger and it's like shut up yeah <laughs> so again someone goes off on their own and you know such a great idea this trope is so overused in these books and it is always contrived so candace and flash are like you know what we were supposed to go fuck it we're turning around and they start heading over to the to the forest but then they get cut off by the nightmare <gasps> ah. and then we cut back to weiston who weiston is essentially like bound within like a gnarled tree, something, something like, like that. that. He's he's like tangled up in a bunch of saplings. One of the unicorns can like control the tree yeah. branches, and so Moth like is able to manipulate like mentally manipulate like the other unicorns to use their powers, and so she like makes this unicorn grow. Yeah, these and Petricor is also tied up, and Moth is like, "I'm giving you these two, and then no more." And the demons are like, that's great, that's fine. All right, anyway, bye. And <laughs> Give me our PS5. <laughs> it's, it's me, Moth, and the PS5. <laughs> um, and so so they take over, the demon like takes over Petricor, but Weiston manages to figure out that his power is actually a shield and not healing. And it turns out that like his blood is not his blood is not pure <gasps> like the others because his mother. His mom is a wyvern. As it, yeah, as it turns out, his mother is a fucking dragon. Like, which another lore bomb. Yeah, seriously. Of, I mean, I might know that if I read the yeah. other books, but like, excuse me, she's a what? Gotta read Firefire Unicorn. I bet, I bet if I had read that before, I could have 
I could have predicted oh. like, oh, he's also yeah, yeah. for sure. That's last. But no, we had we didn't we didn't know. No, we're we're noobs. Do you think they are fucked in their mythical creature forms? Maybe. Hmm. Freaky shit. Probably. I mean, maybe. Um, can I highlight a Mimi yes. part here? Because so so Fla- Candace gets Flash to to teleport them to where oh. they like she you know is able to come. You, you know what I'm going to say? She's able to come back enough, like get back far enough, running um running away from the nightmare, and um she asks Flash to teleport them back to where Weissen is. And, you know, Flash kind of struggles with this because she still, like, wants to get to her mom, but she's like, okay. And so she she takes them there. And Candace, you know, they get to where Moth and Candace are, and, and, and she says, get away from him. She flung herself at Moth, who had her horn pressed into Weissen's side. Moth reared, kicking out, but Candace knew how to handle horses. She grabbed the unicorn's upper lip, twisting hard. Get away from my mate. Oh, I actually like this. Moth squealed, instinctively going limp like a cat <laughs> held by the scruff of the neck. Is that a real thing? I don't know. Hang on. <laughs> Grab horse by lip. But, I mean, I love it in that, like, I love that, again, it's, like, Candace's animal knowledge and, like, you know, ability to work with animals that, like, gives her the leg up in this situation. But I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> yeah. The short answer is yes. All right, yeah. cool. It produces, it triggers endorphins in the horse's brain, producing a call. Just, like, effect. punching a shark in the nose. Weird. I don't think it would work quite in this in this way. I'm going to say Perhaps. well. But also, I we'll like give them the in a previous now. chapter, I thought you were going to say where Weissen says it might have played directly into Moth's hooves. <laughs> like, oh, played right into my hooves. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> uh, the demons are emerging from the ground right now, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so, in short, can I, can I just in short summarize it? Yeah, please. Uh, Weissen lets down the barrier that's over the entire unicorn sanctuary and everyone floods in to like to rescue them all the all the shifters and and stuff and um so flash uh manages to unpossess her parents and and weissen discovers he has this like bubbling shield power he can like like project his his shield which is literally like bella swan just like bella swan bella swan may (laughs) He is Bella Swan. Or oh, she's, yeah. she's Bella Cullen at this point, when she learns to control them. Oh, true. Sorry. Oh, yeah, you're right. Bella Cullen, knee swan. <laughs> um, but Moth actually gets possessed by a demon. And she has, like, such strong will that she is able to control it enough that when there there's, like, this nest of demons that's starting to escape and the Thunderbird just, like, precision strikes into it. Yeah. And, um... Starts a forest fire. Yeah. And Moth just, like, stands stark still and lets herself be enveloped by the fire to kill the demon as well as her. And she, she like, telepathically reaches out to Candace and she's like, take care of the herd or something take like that. Take care of them. The lead mare whispered yeah. in her mind. I, I gotta say, I thought this was good. Kind pretty of fucking metal. metal, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. The demon fought, but Moth's will was stronger. Candace's last sight of Moth was the mare standing perfectly still as the flames engulfed her. Also, the whole group gathers together to, like, so Weissen can put up a shield around all of them so the fire won't hurt them. Oh, which is a parallel to what he did before. Yeah! With the with the blanket. <gasps> oh my god. Weissen drew in a deep breath. His hands sought hers, gripping tight, because when they're together, he finds out that 
that like the shield is stronger. She squeezed his fingers in return in silent, uh, silent assent and reassurance. Wyson squared his shoulders. His shield reappeared much larger this time, protecting the entire herd. Candace could feel him shaking with the effort. She wrapped her arms around him, bracing him with her mind as much as her body. His love wrapped around her in return. He, she opened her heart to him as he opened to her, n- holding nothing back. The firestorm swept around them, powerless in the face of their united strength. She couldn't have said how long it lasted. It could have been five minutes. It could have been an eternity. Probably wasn't an eternity. <laughs> she just held on to her mate, supporting him, heartbeat to heartbeat, moment to moment, one breath at a time. It's like, goddamn. Mm-hmm. Good shit. We never resolve all the bullshit, though. Here's that's yeah, my problem. Yeah, I assume they talk about it later. Yeah, we don't need to know about unicorn politics, <sighs> and we don't need to know about their relationship. It's fine. It's not like this book is about romance or anything. <laughs> ah, fuck it. I, you know, <laughs> I kind of feel like I feel like what they went through here is enough to like bring them together, enough to like talk about it, or at least telepathically communicate about it. Yeah. I think maybe they come to a full understanding from here that they that they he really wanted to help her and she didn't want or need that kind of help. Uh, I'm willing to hand wave yeah. it uh, because there's 57 unicorns that need to be housed now. All right, fair. It's true. Excuse you, a 57 deer. <laughs> they're homeless. Yeah, they're, we have like a whole fucking flock of homeless unicorns <laughs> now. What now? This country's really gone downhill. Oh no. We're letting our most vulnerable animals just wander. <laughs> Unicorns. Noah didn't even want them. Oh! I found the gay part that I was thinking of. <laughs> oh. It's in this last chapter here, the second to last oh. chapter. Oh. Uh, they get back to... So they bring the, the unicorns back to... Uh, where are they? Uh, base camp, I guess. Somewhere. And they're having... a. Uh, uh, they talked to Bethany, uh, Candace's like coworker slash friend, ab- about how and it's really funny because Candace is definitely trying to like drop hints that they're actually unicorns because she's seeing a, a flock of albino deer. Yeah. Um, but Candace is like, eh. but she says she's talking about Weissen and she, to the team, and she says, "Well, I don't care how essential he is. I'm not going to let you work him into the ground. Come on, Weissen, I have something for you." A low wolf whistle came from inside the truck. Go, Brodicorn. A shower, Candace clarified. A shower? Blaze stuck her head out the side window, fixing her with entreating puppy dog eyes. Candace, I love you. Ditch Weissen. Run away with me instead. Have my gloriously clean, soapy babies. (laughs) I know it's a joke, but still, eyeballs emoji. Yeah, I have that highlight too. You know, there are some jokes that we make that aren't really jokes. You know, like when you when you date someone for a bit, and like they kind of jokingly bring up like this kink thing a lot, and it's like they bring it up maybe a little bit too yep. much because they're trying to test the waters because they're really. Maybe you're trying to tell me something. Yeah, I I'm so deeply into unicorns. I was gonna say you want me to like wear a horn or what's up and piss. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Um, oh, then we, then this is where we drop the, at the ending here. They're like having a very sweet moment uh, together in this, again, in a hayloft. They can't sleep in a real bed, I guess. Yeah, one day they will fuck in a real bed. Maybe someday. <laughs> and this is a, this is one of those ones for the tags of a uh, glorious, what's it called? A uh, uh, display of wealth, something display of wealth. 
Oh, gratuitous display of wealth. Gratuitous yeah. display of wealth is where why yeah, because Weissen's saying like, hey, uh Oh flagrant display of wealth, that was my mm, there we go. Flagrant. That's what it is. He basically like tells Candace, hey, there is this horse ranch, like we could put the uh, where the our base camp is back in fucking Wyoming or Montana or wherever the shit they are. And uh it's all on Buck's land, Buck owns it all, and there's this, you know, this this old ranch that needs a lot of upkeep, and it's old, falling into disrepair. But, um, you know, he said we can have it if you want it to like do your animal rescue thing, which she's always dreamed of. And she's like, oh, but I don't have any money. And he's like, er, that's not an issue. My family owns a fair chunk of England. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> shit, dude. All yeah. right, <laughs> eat the rich. <laughs> <laughs> he's a unicorn yeah <laughs> he's gonna use it for good i guess his mother actually runs her own charity for orphan shifter kids that's actually very How cute does that even happen it's a tax write-off yeah like what a specific thing <laughs> she runs professor xavier's school for the gifted <laughs> <laughs> so then we have our epilogue uh in which weissen and uh candace get married which at first oh. I was like, come on. I know. <laughs> like they yeah. were already beast married. Yeah. Actually, they didn't even have like a mating ritual or anything. No, it was they almost didn't. like perfect. They just fucked. They just they fucked. Just... We almost had one book where somebody didn't get married or beast married or fish married. Nope. Like we, <laughs> we finally had something, but no. Very cute moments here. Flash went first, proudly bearing the rings aloft her tiny horn. Sunrise and Bethany were next, the human bridesmaid bearing both a bouquet and a distinct how is this my life expression. Vet had been in on the secret of unicorns for months now, but still hadn't fully adjusted to her expanded reality, which I think is very cute. Um, Rory wears a full kilt. We stand. Oh, oh at Sunrise, you forgot to mention that Sunrise has had a full, a hint of roundness to her flanks, showing that Flash would soon have a new baby brother or sister, because everyone has to get pregnant fucking constantly. Wait till we get to the later books, you guys. There's, everyone is fucking pregnant oh, and having babies. It's all Christ. these troubles. Everyone's uh, Perganante. So many babies. God. Rory wears a kilt. <laughs> very important. <laughs> yeah. This this chapter is actually from the perspective of Joe, and Joe like slips out because he starts feeling real weird being at a wedding, and um, he runs into his dad, and his dad is like, you know, we had originally sent you to America to do this because we thought that you would fuck it up, but you're actually doing a really good job, and we're really proud of you. And Joe's like, wow, dad, don't praise me too much here, and um. He, with with all these demons and you being the heir, we're going to assign you a bodyguard, like from from the Sea Kingdom. And someone stepped out of the shadows. One pale and slight, clad from head to toe, head to foot in a form fitting uniform. Wait, that's my wife. Clad from head to foot in form fitting armor. Her fierce guarded eyes met his, and then it cuts off. And it turns out this was a dream. And it turns out that Joe. His power is actually that he is psychic. He he has premonitions. Oh, he can see the future, which I didn't see coming. No, me neither. Oh and shit! And it's like I, he must not be able to control that because I feel like a lot of times this might have come in handy. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, they're kind of just like dreams. Yeah, he says that. <laughs> Claudia, did you catch the date? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Um, uh, Joe Weiston wakes up Joe and. 
Weissen's like, I can't come to your wedding. Back to where we were. Yeah, back to where we were. And Weissen's like, okay, we just got together, but all right. And Joe's like, you're getting married next May. Pick the 18th. The weather will be good. And funny enough, the 18th of May is both my anniversary with my spouse and Forrest's anniversary with their spouses. <laughs> it's true. Which we, we both had those dates before we met. Damn. If someone tricks me into yeah. marrying them, I'll have to put it on that date too. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's a good day. Also, Claudia and I have the same birthday. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Funny coincidences. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, then Joe, Joe says, May. He muttered to himself. He closed his eyes. A lot can happen before then. It'll be okay. I'll find a way out. I always do. He had until May to work out how to avoid meeting his mate. Or else she would die. Whoa. And then the the final note here from the author says, Joe meets his doom in Wildfire Sea Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Relatable. doom, wow. Yeah. So, that's the book. What did you guys think of, like... I mean, it it really is. The epilogue is not at all about Weston and Candace. Like, no. we get, like, a couple paragraphs of their wedding, and then it's like, okay, all all Joe's uh, premonition, which is, like, you know, that's the that's the setup they have for these, these yeah. books and these epilogues. But it sort of was, like, jarring to me. I liked it. I liked that um, it set it up in that way, and I like how it tied it in. Mm-hmm. It, it was, like, very natural in the sense that we did get a lot of Joe in this book. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It really flows in well honestly i feel like i don't remember that much wasted in the first book but he um had that huge conversation with uh edith about about rory and stuff and a lot of stuff about about like their sensitivity to crowds and things ah yeah yeah. right right it's been a little while but okay Mm -hmm. all right so that was that was wildfire unicorn yeah so guys uh, Weiston still silver smash or pass? Smash. Eh, probably smash. Your silence is deafening. Okay, there we go. So, okay, I, I, there was one thing I wanted to say, which is that I thought it would be really interesting if they the twist in this book had been that he didn't that he was actually asexual and that mm-hmm. he was okay with not having sex. I had a whole sort of head cannon around. Wouldn't that have been interesting? And I know that's yeah. not what the people want from these books, but like, wouldn't that have been interesting if the whole of like him not being able to have sex or lose his unicorn, but also he didn't want to, and like they could instead have like an asexual relationship? I just thought that would be, I was like, come just commit to that. What would happen? What would happen? I think that would be interesting. But, but whatever. I like my porn too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same, to be honest. <laughs> Oh, I know you do. <laughs> there isn't any in this book. <laughs> oh, I also would smash on, on Weston. I think that he's very sweet, to be honest. I do like, yeah, I do like his respectfulness and directness. And I like that he pushes us into walls. Yeah. And uh, thanks. Very good oh, shit. Oh, yeah. The wall pushing. And into trees. Uh, he's, the whole being, like, sensitive, but also being able to, like, kind of, like, alpha you sometimes. Mm. Mm, kind of yeah. hot, but like, hot. man's is a wordsmith. He'd get me to fall in love with him. Yeah, like he honestly, a, a like kind, sensitive person who, as I iterate before and will reiterate, will fuck you. Oh yeah, like make no mistakes. <laughs> hot. Yes, smash. <laughs> and uh, Candace Aries, smash. 
Yes. Smash. Uh, yeah, absolutely smash. Absolutely love how she says exactly what she wants and what she means. I love it. It's hot. She's hot. She takes charge. Also, Ugh. real quick, I want to go back because I want to talk about something that I think should have happened with uh, with Sunshine. Sunrise? Sunrise. The, the mom uniform. Mm. Sunrise. I think Mommy. because when the demon possesses you, it, you if you're there for long enough, it gives you horns. And I think she should have kept the horns. Yeah, I was thinking that was going to oh, be a yeah. thing too. Yeah, because this book is a lot about like how trauma changes you and how you can move on from that. Yeah. And I think like the idea of like having this this like very pure creature having this sign that she has like been hurt. I think that would have been really good. Even if it was just noted a little bit and the fact that she moves like, on. Just like that. Candace's scars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And she's loved all the same. Anyway, that's what I thought. That would have been cool. I thought they were going to do that, and then they didn't. I was really disappointed, to be honest. Aww. In a small mm-hmm. way. Anyway, uh, Nicole, what do you give this book for steaminess? Ugh. Like a point five. And Forrest? I give it like a 1.5. There was, a, there was some good little passages there. I liked her yearning core. Yeah. Her yearning core was pretty hot. She yearned. wasn't horny enough. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid one. I I wish there was basically anything. Yeah. Um, but there there was yeah. a little bit of stuff. A lot of foreplay. Um, I liked when he bit her nipple. I thought that was pretty good. That's it. Yeah. There, was, there wasn't much here. I literally don't even remember that. Yeah. That was when he pinned her up against the tree. Yeah. Ah. Claudia, what do you give this for dreaminess? Hmm. Dreaminess, I'm going to give this a four and a half. Whoa! I really enjoyed this. I thought that this was far more earned than uh, Rory and Edith. I'm taking off half a point for that bullshit at the end. <laughs> yeah. Towards the end. That's, I I do have to admit, it was bad. And I, I get it. Yeah. It probably should have been resolved, but also, like, we gotta wrap up a story here. And, like... <laughs> I think it was bad, but I understand what they're coming. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I liked it a lot. Forest dreaminess. I'm knocking off more than that because it really pissed me off. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it like a 3.75. <laughs> That's a good number. Because like the, the part that were dreamy were really dreamy and they had some very good like connection talks and honest talks and vulnerability very into that. But, um, I don't know. I just got really mad at the end. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Nicole? I'm going to give it a 4.3. Nice. Because I am not a romantic person. I mean, like, I, well, it's weird. I'm, I'm a romantic, as in I love romance, and I love writing it, and I love reading it, and all that stuff. But I'm not a romantic person in the sense that I don't like romantic gestures. I don't like being talked to like somebody would talk to me in, like, a romance novel. I think it's, I don't think it's real. But... This man, Weiston, could probably change that for me. <laughs> so I feel like... He could fix you. Thank you. Oh, <gasps> Weiston. what he's always wanted. Oh, because that's not even his power. So, like, I'm fucked. So thanks, yeah. Weiston. Thanks, Weiston's <laughs> mom. So Yeah, really, it's all her fault. I'll, so, I'll, I'll stay damaged. <laughs> Tragic. And now, Mimi-ness. Forest, what do you give it for me, Minus? Uh, I'll give it a, I'll give it like a 
a three, maybe like a 3.5, mainly just because there was a lot of like funny little references. I'm going to give it i I'm going to give it a three and a half as well. I thought it was like really funny in a lot of places. Uh, the plot generally takes itself a little too seriously to be fully meme and it has enough weight to be fully meme Like it's good. I, I liked it. I thought there was a lot of funny bits. It's kind of a straight up romantic comedy for the first half of the book. And then it becomes like this, this fantasy epic and this like huge romantic thing. Not, not unlike uh, Judd Apatow's 2007 <laughs> hit film Knocked Up. I, <laughs> I, I had a better joke before where uh, something about uh, Weiston smashing that or something and i was like oh much like seth rogan absolutely beat up katherine heigl's pussy in the hit 2007 judd avatar film knocked up oh god i can't believe of all things this is the the reference i don't know why (laughs) you guys just reacted so poorly the first time i brought it up (laughs) that it just it became funnier to bring it up there was just a lot of stuff that like did make me laugh um and Like, there was a whole part we didn't talk about where when they first meet, she's, like, wearing a rat, basically, like, a very scared rat. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, a a line about how it's, like, a particularly goth bracelet or something like that. Mm -hmm. And just little, like, kind of witty one-liners like that. um, And weird references, like the fucking Taylor Swift reference. uh, was It was really enjoyable. Like, it's just a very, like, funny book. And, I mean, like, yeah, I guess it wasn't, like... But there there was enough of, like, sort of, like, unironic memeiness in it. Maybe I should be reviewing it a little bit lower because it wasn't as unironically meme as some of the other stuff you guys have reviewed. But uh, but uh, I thought there was some good meme potential, for sure, in this book. So, yeah, that's my rating. You haven't even listened to our uh, five steamy, five dream, or five meme episode yet. Oh, my God. That's Nanny and the Beast. Ooh, I can't wait. Such a good fucking book. Exciting. I'm also going to have to give it a 3.5. I mean, the, what really did it for me, honestly, were uh, all the Buck scenes. I love Buck. Buck fucking rules. It's so good. Uh, give me a Buck book, please. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I feel like all the jokes hit. Uh, granted, most of it was in the first, like, 75% of the book, and then the last 25% was kind of weird. But, like, everything hit. And I felt like the humor also was, like, appropriately timed. I, I felt like and that's just made it more effective. And so 3.5, I think, is the way I'm going to go. Yeah. I think that's it. That is it. That's, that's it for Wildfire Unicorn. Uh, Claudia, what are we reading next time? Next month, the next two episodes are the start of our... Uh, a little holiday mini series uh, that we're calling Dyke Sember. Yay! Uh, we are going to do a Hanukkah book and then a Christmas book. So next time we are going to be starting Eight Kinky Nights. <laughs> Good. Which great title? Zan West. Eight Kinky Nights by Zan West. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. I hope you all uh, get out your yarmulkes. It's time to celebrate Kinky Hanukkah. Everyone, grab your girlfriends. It's time for Dyke Sember. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode. Uh, Forrest, thank you for joining us. 
Uh, yeah, is there anything? Hey, thanks for having me. Is there anything you'd like to plug anywhere you want the people to find you? I mean, I'm a, I, I have a Twitter, <laughs> Skater Himbo. <laughs> um, I'm frequently on Claudia's Twitter. Um, but no, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I love these books. They're so silly and good shit. Uh, I love the podcast. <laughs> yeah, great, great shit, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I hope to be back someday. You will. I think we'll have you back for uh, Wildfire Sea Dragon real soon. Oh, I fucking love it so much, you guys. And the sex scene is like legitimately like five pages long. It's Hell incredible. yeah. Nice. Give it's it what to me. so good. It's what we need. It'll make up for the lack what of you need. It's what you deserve. in this book. Yeah. It is exactly. what we deserve. We yeah. work hard. <laughs> for real. I read so many crappy books. It's true. And occasionally some really good ones. Occasionally. The bad ones far outweigh the, the good ones, I feel. I think when we did our count with Marn, it was half and half. Ah. Uh, and I think okay. Nanny and the Beast and Wildfire Unicorn has pushed us into more good than... <gasps> we did it! Yeah. So here's hoping for eight kinky nights and uh, something about the stars under a star. Yeah, something. <laughs> we'll worry Jesus about that me during the next <laughs> recording. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Claudia, where can the people find you? I can be found on Twitter at PunkDyke, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. Can't believe nobody had that at yet. And you can find me at Sexy Pagliacci on Twitter. That's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we hope to see you again, especially for the Wildfire Sea Dragon episode, which will happen yeah. in the future. So, Yes. Thank you, listeners. We love you. Uh, find us on Twitter and Patreon at the 3W... 3W... <laughs> find us on uh, Twitter at the three, at the 3LW Podcast and on Patreon. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. podcast was made possible by our patron june b and by listeners like you thank you the snowman it's truly the most quintessential christmas song
It introduces a beloved figure who invites the children to come to him, gets into an altercation with state authorities. Right, the hollering stop. And then he dies, but promises to be back again one day. Frosty is a Christ figure. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Catherine. And we're I'll Be Pod for Castmas, a seasonal podcast where we overanalyze Christmas pop songs and movies and put them into conversation with some unlikely pieces of literature. Don't be a Grinch! Join us on I'll Be Pod for Castmas on the Moonshot Podcast Network.